we're dedicating a shout out to our mates at Calm. That's the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. It's tragic that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. But it's also avoidable. So if you're having a rough time, Calm's helpline and web chat are open 5 till midnight every single day. Find them at thecalmzone.net or you can call them from 5pm until midnight, 365 days of the year on 0800 58 58 58. And welcome back to the News Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and the full team in the studio today. Martin Theobald. It's on. It's on. Terry Chepandama. The surgical summer begins now. <laughs> We've got a bit of a different theme running we today. We have Listen, you want now, to know what happened <laughs> over the weekend? <laughs> Here we go. It's already oh, off. Listen, listen, go. Honestly, that's a, a great yeah, way to start Straight it jumping in. Right, listen. Yeah. If you want to know what happened in the world of boxing, if you wanted to be sensible, the Fight Talk guys have put the podcast out already. I'm an hour in. It's pretty good stuff. Craig's on good form. What's Mickey Haley up to again, Sam? <laughs> Fuck me. He's got Seal Osgool. <laughs> Seal Osgool. Uh-huh. And you ruined him. I fucked Mickey Haley. Scarily accurate. Sorry, but no, no, I do love Sam. I love, <laughs> I love Craig, man. Ukrainian Craig. Oh, <laughs> I love him. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Mate, we're not going. No, something happened. It's broken. Are you fucking rat? Your laptop's a fucking rat, mate. He's fucking right, mate, eh? Are you working tonight? Okay, so that's kind of a good, uh, at least chaotic description of how he's going to run today. Now, that's not to say we that We didn't even you... get a description. He just... Said, listen to someone else. Uh, maybe like an abstract description. Yeah. Is the... <laughs> yeah. <if> you, <laughs> he listen, just came in. If, you, if, it's not like I have a, a rigid agenda usually, but I have at least something in front of me. Today I'm holding a clipboard with listen, nothing on it because they don't want to have a running order. 21 uh, Savage. Tri- 21 Savage. Shouts out to Smirnoff, sponsor today. Right, so <laughs> Terry wants to just drink cider and just chat. Martin's sitting there with his, with his operated leg up. Well, I can't drive. So, so I brought a couple of beers over. Ladies and gentlemen, drink responsibly. We'll sit I, um, and chill. I played Dez today. Yeah. Dez is very important. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I think we're just, we're aiming for a boxing chat rather than a podcast. So it's going to be chaotic. Um, yeah. Terry's got three weeks worth of chat. Yep. And you know what one week's worth is like? So listen, anyone that's on BBC if you want to, or go <laughs> listen to that dumb American Nesta Gibbs if you want to. You know, if you want a bit of high quality, then catch Sam and Craig, you know. But we're savages today, full on 21 savage. Yeah, back. back but what, what was John Bailey tweeting me earlier? Just said uh, the podcast this week will be Andy, 
just at the beginning, the very first question going, so Terry, any other business? And then two hours later, it'll still be pure chap and armor. Yeah, like pulling the cord on an outboard motor, then falling overboard and just watching it disappear into the distance. <laughs> no, no. Who's the guy that put the Hayabusa engine in a jet ski and just went absolutely apeshit on a lake? Go and find the video. The guy's on a jet, the Hayabusa jet ski. I was going in a car with a lad who put a two-liter engine into a Nissan Micra. Nice. Um, and honestly, it was it was ridiculous. But no. only once did I get in that car. Um, so yeah, I think we've just discussed this off air, but I think it's going to be Terry leading the way for two hours. We'll chip in here and there. To be fair, I've forgotten half this shit I probably wanted to talk about. But what I definitely wanted to talk about was, you know, the podcast was right again. So a lot of guys were like, who's this John Pilata guy? All the time I told you, uh, you know, he's in there slapping David Hay about. People didn't believe me. You know, David said he hits harder than Bellew. So take that for what you will. But he made his debut May May 19th. And Martin will tell you, I was just a wreck. Like, I genuinely... No, you were erect. It's very <laughs> different. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that, that jet ski is pretty awesome. Yeah, it looks like they just sped it up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just looks... I was like, how the hell is he holding I mean, on? There is... When I put it in, it did say the search uh, alternatives were Hayabusa jet ski fake. So I'm not sure if it is. Is it definitely, you know, legit? I don't know. Um, I'm it's, surprised the shit didn't take off, I'm being honest with you. I hope it isn't fake. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah, you want that to be real. But no... And that's what I'll be doing for most is looking up random YouTube videos. <laughs> there you go. Just chip in now and then. Yeah. Oh, there's these two girls with one cup. Let's have a look at this. <laughs> oh, God. That is sexy. For, for, for our younger listeners, like, oh, yeah, they like, know, will they? like, like Umar don't. Ahmed at, at IFL. I know you're still a fan, even though you pretend you don't know who I am, but we'll come on to that later. He doesn't. I cunted him off last week. Uh, but basically, look, John John did well in his debut. I know Don's delighted with him. And when Don Charles is telling you this guy's got something, you have to listen. So I'm genuinely happy for the lad because, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, how you make your debut, how you get your breaks. And a lot of guys who just switch over because they go, all right, fancy trying boxing and they get signed and they sell a few tickets and they get on. John's got experience, you know. 2015 probably should have won the ABAs, was just fucking unlucky with the draw because I think he had iced Josh Qualey and all the other big lads. But he got the other guy who was just like him. So a guy called Declan Fusco, I think that's his name, <coughs> who ended up going to jail anyway. Um, all right, we're going to ask the questions we normally wouldn't ask this week. We're just going to go in a little bit. What's he like at selling tickets? Because as talented as he is, someone once said this to me in boxing, if you were Lionel Messi, right... If you had Lionel Messi's talent <clears throat> and you weren't picked up by Matchroom, but you had to make your way from the bottom, but you could only sell 50 tickets. You'd never make you'd it. You'd never make it. So, tragic. If Steve pulls me up on this, sorry, Steve, I think he did about 100. Okay, cool. Cool. Just, and let ju- me, Just checking, Steve, But let me, let me throw this out there as well, right? Because Terry Chapandama is a man that could have walked into that place for free because between myself and Terry and Andy and Steve Goodwin, we have a good relationship now it works. Terry paid for a VIP tickets to come in there. I know because I fucking saw it when he walked in. You didn't need to do that, but you support boxers, and that's what it's about. Yeah. That's what it's about. Always. Um, if, if, if I'm coming to see you, I'm paying, because there's going to come a time when I'm going to ask you for that ticket. When you're fighting for a world title, I might say, listen, look after me. 
but not when you're building up. There's a writer, Andrew right. Fairley, down in Portsmouth. Lovely bloke. Yeah. Who's coming to the live show, Andrew. Really top bloke who... Um, he works for like Boxing News, goes and covers fights all around the country. But he's got a real interest in lads from Portsmouth. Um, but if he's ever going to a show to go and write about um, whatever he's doing, he'll always pick one of the lads on the show and always just buy a ticket from them. Same principle. And then he goes and gives it to somebody in the queue outside. So he's already in for free on a press pass. He'll just go and give that ticket to somebody outside. Great touch. Which is good. Where, where does that... Where does that support end? Because I've seen you buy two tickets from a tout for ten quid before. <laughs> but 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 uh, 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 that was for a Warren show, not yeah, fucking. That, that was for a Warren show. <laughs> You're yeah. lucky that show went ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Andy. I Andy. support even, boxers. Andy. I support boxers. Even, even Warren. <laughs> no, even, even buying those tickets of the tout outside. There's a very real risk the show might not have gone ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I carried a lot of risk. That's what you call I love risk. The fact that it was like, how much are they? T- like a ten out. I was like, I'll have one. Then the tout was like, just take two, mate. <laughs> 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 to clarify, that was to see Javon to David. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love that. And then, and you end up ringside as well when it's kicking off. But look, in terms of John, I was happy with the performance because he got him out of there quick. And the guy, the guy didn't turn up to fight because had he had he actually had any ambition, John would have knocked him out earlier. So he wasn't an amazing opponent. He wasn't Seraphie Seraphie, unfortunately, but. Give John 12 months because what's really blown me away is how he's adapted to being a pro. And when I was talking to Don, I really hope Don and John aren't listening to this one this week. When I was talking to Don and he said, what's John like? And I said, whatever environment you put him in, he's that competitive that he'll want to be the best. So if you stick him in with someone like a Derek Chisora and a Tom Little, he'll want to be better than both of them. So being in this environment has been really good for him because he hasn't missed a training session. He hasn't ducked out of any work. And I've seen the improvement. And what I enjoyed about that fight on excuse me, the 19th was he executed what he'd been doing in training. Like I was going to do a video thing of things he had done with Don in training and what he did in the fight. But I thought, let me not give secrets away. But he was executing what Don was asking him to <coughs> And that's always a good sign because what it means is your trainer and your fighter are in sync. And that's always a deadly combination. So don't judge him yet. Probably this time next year, let's give a realistic view on where we think John could go. But I'm looking at where things are and I say, why couldn't he do a British title in 2019? Or at least compete for one. I agree. It's a fairly barren landscape at heavyweight. Yeah. Um, and so I don't see any reason why within 12 months he couldn't be moved on. I was there for his debut. I sat ringside next to Terry. We sat and watched it together. Uh, Terry was in bits. Um, I've seen Terry watch his old amateurs on his phone. Terry gets very invested in a fight. Um, but I was very impressed. I thought he um, he was very controlled for a debut. Normally when you see somebody on their debut... It's 100 miles an hour. Everything's rushed. He was very controlled, fighting a, a Hungarian, I think he was, who was on the back foot throughout. But it was no rush to, like, when he saw him hurt, didn't rush in to try and hurt him again. Took his time, cut the ring effectively rather than chasing him in lines. Um, and just big clubbing shots. Like, the kind of shots you sit there going, Fuck, I don't want to be on the end of that. Like, the geezer almost rolled out the ring. Yeah. The, and, and what I like is he got him in the same corner. But both both times he really hurt him was in the same corner, and I really you know, it's those it's those small details that separate someone who's come up the right way from a guy who's got a bit of muscle and can swing. So, you know, future looks exciting for him. Um, 
in unrelated matters, congratulations to the young lad, Courtney Bennett, three nations champion. So he beat the Scottish champion today on a split decision. Um, I think it was justice for the robbery in the ABAs, but that doesn't, you know, you still want to be the best in your country, don't you? But I think what this means is he's now an official England boxer. So hopefully they'll keep him as part of the squad and look out for him as a potential heavyweight champion of the future because fantastic young kid as well. Got a lot of the young Riddick bow in him. I think he just needs to get back to some of that old style stuff we used to work on, but he's a special talent. Uh, can I ask a question? No. In that case... No, there's no questions, to... no genders. <laughs> All your is questions any... come via Harvey now. Are there any examples... <laughs> <laughs> I think he mainly communicates through shitting and pissing, so it's entirely... You, you know Gallagher's going to correct us on that, don't you? Because that is not how he asks questions. Uh, um, are there any examples of boxers who have, from day one, looked world-class? That You know, f- through the years. That you can think of. I Off mean, the top of the head, Khan. I know people say, oh, his chin. When Amir Khan came out of the blocks, we were all like, wow. Which is why they put him with Bradis Prescott because they thought this guy's talent's limitless. So they whacked him in with Bradis Prescott and then we all discovered that there were chin issues that had been rumoured for ages, which we hadn't had that exposure to. So Khan, Khan looked good out the box. Um, who else has looked good out the box? The problem is with the modern ones that it's very difficult. All the Olympians that are coming through a match room, they might look fantastic on their debut because they're fighting shitty bin men. <laughs> and so how can you really say that they look great? Yeah. What you can say is they look talented. So I see a lot of debuts on shows that I go to yeah. and they're fighting the same bin men and they don't get them out in like two rounds. They'll go the full four rounds and those bin men, like as much as we're laughing at them, they're incredibly tough geezers. And so for those matchroom ones, I know we all sit there and we're very disingenuous about it and say they're bin men, they're rubbish, blah, blah, blah. The fact that they're chinning them in two rounds is actually quite impressive. But I can't judge someone based on that because that person isn't there to win. But, but the thing is, the special talents look special from day one because they've normally had that much preparation for that day. Joe Joyce yeah. taking Ian Lewison on his debut. Yeah, it just ripped straight into him. Okay, so moving on from what you said about Khan, who's the with the most obvious glass chin has uh, <laughs> has achieved the most? Khan, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Khan and multiple time world champion. I'd go, I'd say Harold Graham, and Harold was unlucky not to win a um, a world title, but he was incredibly chinny. I think we're probably going to touch on Brendan Ingle later, so Harold becomes a bigger part. Well, let's do it now. Like we haven't got an agenda, so let's. Yeah. <laughs> while we're in that sphere, yeah. So if you look at someone like a Harold Graham, and you'd watch how he boxed. So if you watch him against a guy like Mike McCallum, and McCallum's fundamentally sound, technically perfect. I might be wrong, but I think they did the same Commonwealth Games together in '78. You know, one of the statters out there will confirm or deny that, but essentially they're peers. And watching the contrast in styles where, you know, Harold Graham could move around his hands down. But what ended up happening was he'd, he'd get caught on that chin and that chin wasn't very resilient. Is that a, is that a fault of Ingle fighters over the time that you never really conditioned yourself to take that sort of punishment? Don't know. But there's a guy in terms of glass chins who you're like, Oof, if only you'd had a solid chin, what could you have achieved? 
So Terry, give us New Age Boxing's version of Brendan Ingle's obituary, please. So I think, look, uh, I said it earlier before we had technical issues. Everything's been done to death. Major you know? technical issues. Severe. <laughs> we had blue screens and everything. Oh, crisis. Well done, Andy. Though. But look, pulled it back. I think, I think everyone's kind of done it to death. So we've heard the the standard story of uh, he made everyone who walked to his gym awkward. Old grannies came in, walked out, was slipping all kinds of mad <laughs> shit. And we, we've heard everything about Brendan Ingle. I can only speak to the man that I met when I was a student. So in the early 2000s. A real tough man. Like one thing I learned, and I think I learned this being in the Ingle gym, is the standards are incredibly high. So... Yes, he's probably a warm man in a personal context and he's done a lot for people in his community. He's been absolutely amazing. But when you went in that gym, it was all business. Why? Because Brendan Ingalls from that old school of guys like Burnsy down at Repton, Mick Carney at Fitzroy Lodge, even to a certain extent Mickey Delaney down at Dale Youth, these old school boxing guys who knew their gym was defined by the standards they set. So everyone knows that the Ingle gym just had an open door policy. So Naz couldn't shut the doors off. Obviously, I joined after Naz, but for example, Princeton team couldn't shut the doors off and just train on his own. Ryan Rhodes couldn't do the same, nor could Johnny Nelson. So you had members of the public as well that could walk in and train alongside. Yeah, so you'd be in there of an afternoon. You know, you just go in there for uh, just a little hits out, loosen up, and you'd have Johnny Nelson in the same gym. Was he, was he just telling you that everyone on Sky was the greatest fighter available? Yeah, while dodging all questions aimed at him. <laughs> no, but but so so you had all Whilst of this. Telling you about his mortgage. So all of these guys. That's, that's when Terry found out. <laughs> mortgage free. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, Johnny Nelson's led, he's led a comfortable life because Brendan used to chip away at him to live a comfortable life and go, look, you don't know how long your career is going to last. Sort your life out early, which Johnny Nelson did. Um, but I sort of came up in the same time as guys like Kel Brook and Ty and Booth were coming up through the Ingle system as well. How much of a cunt is Ty and Booth? Um, Massive. What? No, so <laughs> On a scale of very to well, above that. On, on a scale of very to Ty and Booth, how much of a cunt? <laughs> no, but you're asking me to judge the adult versus the child. As, as a young guy, you know, everyone's a bit mouthy and a bit lippy. Is he the person he is now? Probably not. But it was a... It was a tough proving ground and a tough place to learn how to box. And it's no coincidence that they produced so many good fighters. But Brendan was a very tough man in terms of boxing, but could talk boxing forever and a day. And I know there's this debate in boxing about whether his style was Harold Graham's style or whether Harold, Harold, Harold Graham was his style and so forth. Based on what I've seen in the gym, he would take elements from everyone. So I think the art of a good trainer is to take what works. And a lot of what Harold Graham did worked. So I don't know if anyone who's listening has spent time with Harold Graham. But when you talk boxing with Harold Graham, like the way he sees boxing, it's amazing. And you will learn from him. Whoever you are, you spend an hour with Harold Graham, you will train your fighters differently. So I can imagine Brendan being influenced. But Harold came as a slippery, awkward character from his days, obviously, living and growing up in Radford. So in that sense, the Ingle style is taking bits of that and bits of all the other fighters that he's worked with. And I know people say Nassim is the high point of Brendan Ingle's work. I'd probably say Ryan Rhodes was. 
if only Ryan Rhodes had been born in the right era. Like the Ryan Rhodes of the early 2000s to about 2007, Eddie Hearn would fill his condom with semen every two minutes. What the fuck kind of fucking because he was example of excitement is that for me Ryan Rhodes represents that Ingle style because there was the slickness there was the boxing intelligence but there was also that fundamental skill set where he could put his hands up and he could do what he needed to do I think Kel Brook's a bit to the right of that so Kel's a bit more conventional than a standard Ingle fighter so a bit not, more not as much cum in the condom <sighs> or more, less, less. More, 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 more knife in the leg yeah <laughs> sure whose condom as well <laughs> but no so i think <laughs> i think when you look at brendan ingle there's some horrendous jokes in there just pretend we made them <laughs> brendan ingle shifted the fill art. in the gaps yeah <laughs> said the man in kel's hotel room because <laughs> because brendan shifted the art of the possible in boxing you wonder what he would have achieved had harold graham won the world title in the 80s like he should have done because had he done that i think the axis of British boxing would have moved towards Sheffield a lot sooner. And this idea that you can afford to be slick, you can afford to be unconventional because that was Brendan's whole ethos. How can he prepare for you when you don't prepare for you? If you see what I mean, you could throw any punch from any position. And that for me, that's the thing I took away from the Ingle system is this idea that you can punch in motion. So, when you're shifting from front foot to back foot, you can punch. When you're stepping to your right, you can punch. When you're stepping to your left, you can punch. There are no gaps between your shots. So you effectively have no rhythm. And so you can't be timed. And that's why if you notice with Naz, no one could really time Naz until he got sloppy. Until Pereira turned well, up, yeah. Well, so, so, I can, so I can speak to parts of that because I was in Sheffield around the time of the Pereira fight. Naz wasn't training. He was, you'd see him in Blockbuster and he was massively overweight. So you're you're all there trying to get your your copy of Titanic or whatever the fuck it was at the time, <clears throat> and Naz would be there with his missus, just looking big as hell. And you're like, hey, you're fighting soon. No, don't worry about that. No, I'll be alright. I'll be alright. And all that sort of nonsense. And then he got caught out because he spent five million quid on a gym on the Abbeydale Road in Sheffield, yeah, which had a jacuzzi, steam. It, it basically it was a it was a spa, and you were like, this guy's not hungry. So once you've done that, the money had obviously gone to Naz's head. He didn't feel he needed boxing anymore. And Barrera caught him. The Naz that fought Kevin Kelly would have annihilated Barrera. And that's Brendan's influence. Brendan reminds you that there's still work to do. And when Naz stepped away from Brendan, and really it was over money, because people get in your ear and they go, why are you paying this guy a quarter of everything you earn? Not realizing Naz doesn't earn any of that kind of money without Brendan Ingle kicking his ass for the first 17 years of his life. You know, people forget that. The other thing I used to like about the Ingle model as well was you'd fight as a junior, you'd fight as a schoolboy, and you'd go pro quite early. And that's where you'd learn your trade. You wouldn't be turning pro at 26, 27 unless you'd started at the Ingles late. They always tried to get you going in the pros as early as possible which is something we're missing now because you've got the whole GB thing. But they were their own setup before. And I think we need to get back to that where we can start training guys, preparing guys to be talented enough that they should be knocking over Lithuanian binmen at an early stage in their career. Because let's be honest, you watch some of these guys making their debut, your Anthony Fowlers, your Josh Kellys, and you're like, you're fighting guys you'd never have fought in the World Boxing Super Series. Yep. The Ingle model was the reverse of that. 
want to put you in with guys who are going to toughen you up. So there are a lot of things to love about what Brendan Ingle created in Sheffield. Um, I think that model's died a lot. I think he, and you can tell, like, he was the driving force behind that because I don't think Dominic espouses the same values that Brendan does. It's all a bit more conventional now, a bit more sensible. So we've, we've lost that. And who in this country will pick that up again? I have no idea. You can see someone like a Tunde Ajayi has the same kind of English feel to him where all of boxing laughed at him. Let's not forget people laughed at Brendan Ingle when Harold Graham kept getting knocked out. They're like, man, this guy, look at it, this clown, what does he know? And then the 90s happened for Brendan Ingle and everyone shut up. And it's the same with Tunde. Everyone laughed at Tunde <clears throat> until Anthony Yard came over the top. And if he were to go on to win a world title, if O'Hara Davis were to go on to win a world title, I hope both happen. If Junior Sabo goes on to win a world title, I hope that happens too. I know there was a uh, question from Craig at Fight Talk, which is Craig. about um, which trainers, oh, okay. uh, which trainers do you uh, think doing a good job? I was looking at Andy, hoping that he would have it to hand. No, uh, uh, turns out he absolutely doesn't. I had a different question to hand. Um, um, how can you not? How can you not know? Craig, the asks, name of a trainer. You could go on YouTube. Ukrainian oh. Craig asks: Of the stables producing fresh talent on the small halls, which coaches are you most impressed with? None. None. <laughs> Alright, but if you had to choose one, you was, I suppose, yeah, he's um, impressed. He's, unfortunately, you used the word impressed, Craig. Okay, no, 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 the no, best I'll, I'm going gonna, gonna to turn it on Martin. <laughs> Martin, small hall guys, you really rate. What, trainers? No, no, small hall boxers, you rate. Um, Linus Yudofia, but I, I think I think Linus is a special talent, would do better elsewhere. Next. Uh, Kay Prosper, I thought looked fantastic in the Nathan Vieth fight recently, which brings me on to uh, his trainer, IQ Boxing, so Xavier uh, Miller. I think Kay Prosper's doing fine where he is, but we also know that there are other influences that feed into IQ as well, and I think that helps too. Yes, there are. Um, so Don Charles has a very close relationship with Xavier, but Xavier Miller has set up IQ Boxing, and he's bringing a lot of lads through that he had as amateurs. At Neesden. And bringing them into the pro game. So who, who I've never them. lost to, for the record. I've never lost to a Neesden boxer. <laughs> Make of that what you will. So he's bringing them through from the amateurs into the pros. And then he's bringing in a few more experienced pros to help settle these young lads. So he's got Kay Prosper, for instance. Yeah. Um, so Kay Prosper came out against Nathan Vesey of a week. English title eliminator. Oh, that was the 19th, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Hell of a fight. English title eliminator. Kay Prosper walks out first fight under Xavier. Walks out of Southport. Never been to Southport in his career. Um, and I'm sat there, I'm like, I know Kay very well. I've sparred Kay. I've, I know Kay. You put him down. I heard you did. Oh, I, I knocked him out. Cold. Cold. Sounds like you, man. Um, I'm amazed that they even let the fight go ahead on the 19th. Yes. Yeah. Like, I did him a year and a half ago. Ice um, fists, Theobald. Just knocks so, him out cold. No, I didn't, by the Gr way. Grass uh, fists, Theobald. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Kay's, Kay's a very good fighter. Um... Super lightweight, incredible engine on him, has sometimes been a little bit basic and it's caught him out. But he comes out in Southport and I'm sat there thinking, I've, I've sparred Kay, I know Kay. And he's come out of Southport and I don't know what he's doing. And he fucking schooled Nathan Beast, absolutely schooled him, like hurt him throughout the fight. He was switching when he fancied it, but beat him up. And it was the best performance I've ever seen out of Kay. And I was chatting with Xavier on the way out of York Hall that night, his trainer. 
I said to him, like, what the fuck was that about? Like, he walked out Southport and I was so confused. <laughs> like, I had to really rack my brains because I haven't seen Kay fight in a little while. I was like, he's definitely not. Xavier said, oh, I used to have a lad that I used to train who's got all the same physical attributes as Kay. Um, and about five, six years ago, I changed this lad from being an orthodox to a Southpaw boxer. And when Kay walked into the gym, I saw everything that I'd seen before in this kid. And I said to Kay, like, let's just switch you around. Let's try you out. And he said he was really uncomfortable at first. I had to relearn what he was doing. But you could see the evidence that night. I think that that level of thinking, which you don't get out of a lot of boxing trainers, somebody that can apply what they've seen elsewhere, rather than just, this is what you do because this is the way we do it in this gym. So here's my generic point back to that. That will get you so far. You're not going to be able to execute that at a higher level because there are guys who are specialists on one side or the other. So if you rack, if you rack your brain and you think of the best boxers you can think of, none really switch. And no, it didn't, it didn't switch but, frequently. He just did it twice during the yeah, fight. But, but even then, phases. It's, it's, it's rare that as a pro you switch from one side to the other and you're more successful. Because because what what generally happens more, is more more define more successful like so, Tyson Fury d- does it. Do no, it. I think what Terry yeah. means is you don't do half your career as an orthodox and half uh, your career as a oh, right. So you don't mean switching so, in a fight. So Fury, yeah, if you look yeah, at Fury, right. Fury switched since he was a kid. Yeah. yeah. So so we're looking switch hitting in a fight is different to yeah. switching your career. And, uh, yeah, and 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 well, sw- but, uh, it's, so he, sorry to, yeah. again, Terry. This was. A switch in the southpaw for the whole fight. He didn't yeah, want yeah. to go back into he, he, Nominally, yeah. Twice. He, he nominally went back into orthodox. But it was almost like he was a southpaw. That was he, he was suddenly a southpaw. Whereas for the whole career, he's been an orthodox. Okay. Yeah, so you can right. do that against Nathan, Nathan Vice, for example. You couldn't do that against a Josh Taylor. Like, you'd... All... He, could, he can do anything against Josh Taylor. That's not being no. horrible to Kay, but, but almost, Josh Taylor would fucking wipe him out. All his patterns would collapse under that kind of pressure. Of course it would. Josh Taylor's yeah. a special talent. But if you put him orthodox, his patterns wouldn't collapse. He'd just get beaten up, but his he, his form would hold. It's a weird thing about boxing that it's about what you can sustain under pressure. That's the key thing. So when you're training a lad, it's like, I need you to be able to execute this under the most extreme pressure. So I don't want to give you two ways of doing things because the minute your brain knows there's another way of doing stuff. How many times have you seen this when a guy's getting battered and he switches to Southpaw? Yeah. And that's my first sign. I'm like, this guy's finished now. Because now he's basically saying everything I've ever learned as an orthodox has failed me. So I'm switching over in the hope that I can find a miracle. Maybe it's somewhere. in here somewhere. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Why not? So, so, I'm about to die anyway. So it, It'll be interesting to see what, where K goes next and how we can execute that. But because, I like Xavier. Xavier's yeah. bringing through a decent set of boxers at a decent pace. Um, he's doing well. I think um, down at State of Mind, uh, Barry O'Connell. O'Connell. He's bringing through a decent set of boxers. Don't mind um, Barry, actually. Um, had a brief conversation with him. Very before. good strength and conditioning coach. Phenomenal yeah. strength and, and, and is getting boxing as well. He used to do George Groves' strength and conditioning yeah. like back in the day. Um, hasn't done it for a couple of years, I don't think. But No, no, Shane's got his own people. Stopped now. before Badu Jack or around Badu Jack. Yeah, but, Shane's um, got his own guys. Up, but yeah, yeah, he's gone from focusing on the strength and conditioning, Barry, to bringing through... A stable of good young fighters. Uh, Dean Richardson, Jamani Camaro, who there's a question about. Yeah. So, um, so, again, from Craig, I think, Andy. So in terms of trainers, here's, here's what I want to say, because I picked up on this this week. 
I saw the Porky Russ interview with Chris Smedley. Now, for me, Chris Smedley is the archetype of a trainer I respect because he takes boxers from absolute zero, as in zero bouts as an amateur, and he takes them all the way through to titles as a pro. So for me, you're the, you're the best of the best because you've actually done it. You, have, you haven't cherry-picked. You've taken less that have come through the door. He did a great... All right, let me throw in the questions because we're going to ask questions this week that we wouldn't normally ask. Aside from Liam Cameron, what pros he trained? Because I genuinely don't know the answer to this. No, no, he hasn't. But... So how can we we say that he's... Okay, no, no. So bear in mind, number one, he's a full-time Tyler. Is he? I I genuinely don't know anything about Chris, so I'm going to ask the question. Yeah, so so Chris is a full-time Tyler, which means... He's kind of limited in what he can focus on. Yeah, which is great. So it means that he can do a load of amateur stuff here. (laughs) Go on, mate. Go let it out. Paragon of professionalism. (laughs) (laughs) So he can do a bucket load of stuff with the amateurs, but he can't take every amateur and turn them pro. Which is amazing. I already respect him more for knowing that. Because, yeah. So, 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 So Liam's special. We've discussed what Liam did in the ABAs and how he was on track to do London 2012. Right? He was. And he decided to go pro. Ah, for what reason, I don't know. But at least it meant he never had to fight Errol Spence, who Dudley O'Shaughnessy did. And that's when we realized Errol Spence was a special talent. But you've got a guy like Chris Smedley, and he tells a story in this interview with Porky Russ. It's worth listening to. The sound quality is not great, but it's the most open interview you're going to hear with a trainer. So Chris starts talking about how him and Dave Caldwell had a gym together. It was like an offshoot of the Winkerbank gym. And something happened between Dave and Brendan. So this shit just shut down. Dave took four boxes. Smedley took five. Dave had someone like Jerome Wilson. But basically, none of Dave's boxers won a title. Bear in mind, they'd all been in the same gym together. None of Caldwell's boxers won a title. Chris Smedley took five. Four won junior titles. Liam Cameron went on to win a senior ABA title. That's fucking unheard of. And then to say you've trained 30 national champions over that course across schoolboys, junior ABA, senior ABAs, um, the National Association of Boys and Girls Clubs as well. Which I get is brilliant. It's unheard of. It's brilliant. What about the pro side? Why the, is it only well, Liam that he's got? Well, number one, when you've... Time? I think time's the biggest constraint. Yeah. yeah. So Which understand. I think if Chris Medley went full-time and you gave him Liam Cameron... Uh, the Beardow lad who just won the ABAs and there's a couple of other young prospects in Sheffield floating around. You could give him Adrian Tomlinson for fuck's sake. Shit, give him Dave Allen. If you gave Smedley those guys, what I love about Smedley is his formula is very simple. Be fucking fit, be fucking strong, punch fucking hard. Yeah, that's his formula. And that will always get you to the top of the British game as Gallagher's shown. What happens when you get to world level? I'm sure Chris has got a plan for that too. But for, for now... He's nailed that. So I respect him as a trainer. Someone like a Jamie Sanagar, for example. So you'll see Sanagar at a lot of these, like Selby and so forth. You'll see Sanagar from Selby, uh, Haskins over in Vegas, all the way down to the Bristol shows, the Wales shows. And he's still cornering people. Now, in the amateurs, I've boxed the Empire lads four or five times, smashed them to pieces. The Empire lads don't turn over. They get guys from outside because the Sanagar name means something. Hasn't delivered from his own stable. So this is what I mean about contrasts and stuff. If you can, if you can take something from absolute zero and make that into a professional, that's a bigger achievement because it's, it's easy for me to go through who won the ABAs and say, come and train with me, right? 
I've already kind of pre-selected for success. In the same way that McCracken does. McCracken's like, well, Carl Frost, you at the World Championships. I'll train you. Howard Eastman, you're already a wrecking machine. I'll train you. Yeah. Anthony Joshua, you're Olympic gold medalist. I'll train you. Give Anasodophia to Robert McCracken and see what McCracken does. Then you will respect Robert McCracken, won't you? And I think that's the point I'm making about trainers. It's, it's easy to fall in love with the Adam Smith sort of dropping names and nicknames and Sky commentary to give people more credit than they deserve. But Caldwell's never delivered from zero. Fact. Can I just touch on this? Well, the yeah. Jamie McDonald fight. Let's do that. I can't remember how much we said about it last week. But uh, why the fuck? He's now going up to featherweight. That is it. Somebody uh, tweeted me saying that he wasn't going super bantam. He's going featherweight. And then I saw an interview with Hearn this week where he talked about and I, it's not verbatim, so you're going to have to um, give Try me a bit. to get sued by her. Nah, so allegedly, Mike. I'm, uh, nah, I'm not bothered. Uh, <laughs> so, Hearn talked about fighters. So, he said, you know, fighters have to really struggle to make that weight. So, Jamie McDonald struggled to make that weight. Because look at what the alternative is. When Scott Quigg failed to make weight against Oscar Valdez, you got shit online. People were just giving you grief people were like really mouthing off at you online i'm like hey if you're that much of a fucking pussy that a load of twitter abuse hurts you mm. then that's a problem b you're world champion or former world champion get somebody to run your twitter account because you're stupid scott quick c stop trying to fight at weights that are fake like if you can't make featherweight scott quick who's come up from super bantam then why are you in the fucking featherweight division why are you trying to cheat the system yep and for for eddie hearn to almost lay the blame at us as fans doors saying like you lot give fighters so much shit that that's the kind of that's the problem they've got is that they have to make weight because if not they're called unprofessional uh, why were they why then why were they making weight before twitter <laughs> but the they're fact is so though but if you're, if, you're really, if you're really trying to cheat the system that badly, that's your fault. It's not ours. Mm. But, but here's like the, Andy Joshua said, my next fight is going to be at featherweight. And then everyone was like, what the fuck? And he, and he spent a year and you saw him looking really thin. And it was like, and then suddenly Andy and Joshua was in hospital and he hasn't made weight. People would be like, what the fuck is he doing? It was a stupid idea. If they then came out and said, why are you giving him shit? would be like, well, but, what, what else are we going to do? We're all avoiding the question. And the question has to go straight to Dave Caldwell. What the fuck were you doing in Dubai? Why was he in Dubai? What's... He was in Dubai. Don't you, didn't you see that? They were no, in Dubai. I don't follow Caldwell. Part of their training camp was in Dubai. They went from the UK to Dubai to Japan. So I'm like, so you're going from the UK, which is about 18, 19 degrees at the time, to Dubai, which is closer to 40. Then Japan. I don't know what Japan is. Maybe Japan's a bit lower down. So your body's got a massive shock of being in the Middle East, right? They didn't even take their own food with them. Yeah, this is all important. So your body's got a massive sensory shock from being in an uncomfortable environment. Uncomfortable food. You know, language is going to throw you. All these little things mess you up because it increases your cortisol levels. All this stuff is stopping you making weight. So you go from there, then you go to Japan. Now your body's like, we just left one fucking fucked up situation. Time, You're putting me in another fucked yeah, up situation. Time zone Plus changing. the time zones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did he expect to happen? Like, they should have had at least two weeks in Japan for Jamie to get comfortable, and you would have known within a week, can he make this weight safely? <laughs> Why was Fowler there? <laughs> What's he adding to anything? Well, he was just there to deal with the trolls, wasn't he? 
<laughs> he took the Twitter account over. Uh, Craig asks, Craig Fruttle asks, if Juman fights Divine and then Boy Jones Jr., is his career and the contest he has been involved in the perfect example of how to progress? Not overloaded with journeymen and pointless fights and striving to test himself. Okay, Juman being Jumani Camaro. So Jumani Camaro we were with up in Manchester for the uh, Groves Eubank fight. The guy with the dreadlocks. Of course, I mean, he fought, he'd me, fought, you know, he'd fought on fucking Channel 5 the night before. And then just came out on the lash. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget it that. It was brilliant. He, he came fought, out on the lash. He fought Freddie Kiewit the night before on the Friday and then came up to Manchester on the pits on the Saturday. Wow. <laughs> that's boxing for me. I absolutely love Jamani Camaro, by the way. Yeah. Like, that's the only reason I'm going to answer this question because I'm trying to avoid small hall discussions for now. You know, we're... You know, we're we're like Steve Goodwin. We're moving up the levels. <laughs> um, Jamani Kamara. Okay, so Jamani, from what I understand, has um, he doesn't sell that many tickets, which is a common problem for a lot of boxers. So his career... Wow, mate, mate. Well, he is, yeah. <laughs> he's here. He's turned up. Your fucking white boxers and that sell loads of fucking tickets. Yeah, but your black boxers and that bit fucking lazy, aren't they? Don't sell no fucking tickets. Always in the fucking gym, training and that, perfecting their craft, all that slick fucking shit. Slip, slip, bob, bob. What the fuck are you doing, you little mugs? Gonna sell some fucking tickets. Now, I tell you what for nothing, yeah? If these fucking darkies was all over fucking Millwall and West Ham and that, they'd sell a damn sight more fucking tickets. Now stop your fucking bleating, get down the fucking den, get down the fucking Olympic stadiums, fucking sell some fucking tickets, oh, you little Gary, fucking man. Oh, it's Gary, the grey-haired tracksuit brigade can, racist trainer. Can I just clarify, if this is the first time you've ever listened to us, <laughs> that, <laughs> that isn't Terry's standard views on life. I don't know. I wouldn't be too confident hey, about that. Hell. No, you, you, lot, you, you lot fucking trying to soften the fucking message, ain't you? You fucking liberal bastards. Shut it, mate. Yeah, listen. Sell your fucking tickets. Get your fucking show on sorted out, mate. Jemani Camaro. Fucking. Oh, oh he's gone. The so going back to where we were. Out of fuel. Jemani has, um, he doesn't set a huge amount of tickets. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about Jamani. I got a text off um, somebody second, up north. He's onto his second side, by the way. Somebody up north. This going back a year and a half. Um, was involved in a show up there. Just said, any welterweights down south who uh, have got a decent enough record that would come up that you don't think are a huge threat to somebody up here, as an away fighter, turn up, lad at home wins. I'm like, rack my brains a little bit around welterweight. Jumani Camaro. Like, Jumani... Is he a welter, though? I know, lightweight, sorry. It's lightweight. Okay. Um, so I was thinking back to his last fight against Kawit was a welter. So I'm like, right, lightweight. Jumani doesn't sell huge amounts of tickets. He doesn't knock people out, necessarily. He'd be ideal. So I text Steve. I'm like, right, somebody's asked me about this. I'm not going to give away names or anything. Um, okay. No, it wasn't Porky. <laughs> um, and so... Jamani ends up travelling up, travels up to Sunderland or Newcastle, somewhere around there, like proper northeast show from London. Fucking knocks this lad out in round one. <laughs> <laughs> knocks him out in round one. The lad ended up in hospital, um, and it turns out he'd been doing the weight really badly as well. So it wasn't. I'm not taking the blame for this kid ending up in hospital. Jamani <sighs> comes back down south. I'm like, fuck me. That's the last time I'm ever going to be asked to match. Well, he's straight, straight, well, he's straight back on the piss. <laughs> on the way back no no honestly I'm a big Jamani fan like 
Before then, I was like, nah, another small hall guy, whatever. But when he came out on the Juice Bigelow with us, I was just like, do you know what? Juice Bigelow. He was yeah. brilliant as well. He was great fun. Top man. Uh, like, look, if the, just putting it out there now, if Groves versus Smith happens in the MEN arena, it would do in the sequel. We return. Yeah. Um, Sam Khan asks, if the BBBFC required a fine for constant, quotes, injuries, end quotes, Warren wouldn't be able to pull this shit. That's in reference to the... I now, I now hand over to our live correspondent, Martin Theobald. Legit injuries. Deep <laughs> in the middle of battle. Uh, and then she goes on to say, legit injuries fine, but there, uh, but there need to be medical exams by authorised doctors to ensure dropouts aren't BS. So Billy Joe Saunders this afternoon starts tweeting about... Um, He'll take on Canelo or Triple G. I can't remember which one. He talks so much bullshit, it doesn't matter anyway. He'll take on one or the other. A couple of hours later... When, when do you expect this fight to happen? <laughs> when do I expect my legal letter to arrive? No, no, no. When do you expect um, the fight to happen? About September. Which fight? The Canelo versus Billy Joe. About September? Be good. You got your, you've all got the content set up already. <laughs> your post weighing tweet is there. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, Martin's just click. Fuck. As as God is my judge, if that happens, I'm tweeting that fucking picture if I've still got it. I am tweeting that. It'll all become clear in a minute. Straight after the weigh-in because that's all the fun. So, so do you want to flesh this out or do you want to go on? No. So Billy Joe Saunders is tweeting that out at like midday today, and then about two hours later, the fight with Martin Murray's off. His fight with oh, Martin Murray's off. Did he get injured in those two hours? Yeah, so he's got oh, a bad hamstring, apparently. God. And I notice how they... About that. Do you know what? Anyone that ever tells me it's a, <laughs> a broken hand, a bad hand, or a hamstring, I would normally assume... I'm not saying it's the case this time. <laughs> I would normally assume it's a lie. Because you can't prove a bad hand. You can't prove a bad hamstring. So here's the thing, right? Boxing's not taxing on your hamstrings. And I've seen Billy Joe Saunders. He doesn't go out running. Nope. Fucking no. hell, look at him. No, as a statement of fact, boxing is not taxing your hamstrings because think about what your hamstrings are designed to do. Your hamstrings, you know... Surplus to requirement. Well, no, but, but when you really stretch out your hamstrings, that's when you're folding over at the hips, right? When you're bringing your back down flat, if you want to fold at 90 degrees, then you really feel it in your hamstrings. Or if you're having an explosive contraction. So if you're sprinting, you've got to snap your leg back quickly. Boxing requires none of that. You should never injure your hamstrings in boxing. So there are two things. One, he's either, you know, a bit economical with the truth. Or number two, what's going on in this training camp that you're injuring a hamstring? It shouldn't happen in boxing. So you've got a scenario where Billy Joe Saunders has gone from offering out one and two in the world, Canelo, Triple G, to pulling out of a Martin Murray fight. in like two hours. Something doesn't add up. Something doesn't add up. So, I realise so, it's foul play, or at least it smells like foul play, but isn't this kind of what we wanted anyway? Shouts out anyway? to Gordon's. Yeah, isn't right? Well, so did... I, I called this. I tweeted. I'll, I'll read 20th, this of March, to, 20th of 20th March, 2018. If I was a betting man, I'd put a fortune on Saunders versus Murray never going ahead. It's a shit fight with very little interest <laughs> at a venue that's way too big. I'm guessing injuries keep occurring. Does this crown his grass thing? I don't know. Now, so, 
Well, so there won't be. Will there be um, something in the contract of the fight, meaning that if there's a pullout through injuries, then Martin Morris has to get paid or anything like no, that? I no, I don't think so. So this is the second time it's happened because, because I, I tweeted that at the time right. when the first pullout happened. So, so here's one thing I want to say about this because Bellew had Bellew said if Hay pulls out again, I get paid. Then that second that's, time round, that's probably like an insurance policy on the second time. So, so here, here's my here's my take on all of this how much do we feel negatively against Billy Joe that I'm now a Martin Murray fan I really want Martin Murray to get a fight now and I actually want to watch Martin Murray fight because because now I'm there going I ain't gonna go that far you've been shafted by a guy who has only given us Lemieux but this is it's almost like it's almost like okay Oh, watch oh, this! Watch this! Should be interesting. Oh, oh mate, so, it's, it's if, if, if anyone if anyone's Martin. ever seen the T three two hundred meters, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is what it's like. It's live commentary of Martin like, in like, the toilet. Like, 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 like we got fucking Pistorius here. I'm gonna go and fucking <laughs> shoot someone in the toilet. Just make sure Michaela's not in there. If the door's shut, Michaela is in the toilet. All right, you don't need to pull out a hanger. <laughs> and he's just climbing up. Huh? <laughs> Shuffling past the uh, honestly, my leg is so table, fucked. hobbling. Mate, like that's just called the room, man. Like 15 <laughs> <degrees>. <laughs> I've never seen a 35 year old man move like a 75 year old man. Here, here's, the, here's the thing like, we're now looking at this Lemieux thing as a massive aberration. It's like an outlier because this is standard Billy Joe. Oh, have a fight. Nah, I don't feel like it. Rather get pissed up in Sheffield and have a good time, allegedly. Yeah, it's a direct resp- uh, reaction to the fact that Canelo G- uh, GGG isn't going on, so he could pick one of them up. That wasn't going on in May. What, when he made the Martin Murray fight? Well, no, yeah, it wasn't going on in May when Golovkin already fought Vanus Madarossian. It wasn't going on. So they could have just said, look, we're trying to make the Golovkin fight, but we don't want Martin Murray to be out of pocket. So we'll give Martin Murray Liam Cameron. Liam Cameron's got a Commonwealth belt. Murray versus Cameron for a Commonwealth belt. Okay, Murray doesn't really need that, but that could make Liam Cameron's career. It's a fight that people would pay to see, and it's a chance for someone to elevate, right? There, there are all kinds of things that could have happened. You could have put him in with Mark Heffron, for fuck's sake. You could have put Murray in with absolutely any other middleweight, or you could have had a catchweight with like a Rocky Fielding. Anything could have happened for Murray ages ago. But they've waited now until people have bought tickets and made commitments to go, and then they're bailing on the fans. That's what annoys me. Now they're hoping that O'Hara Davis, Daniel Dubois, Anthony Yard, Umar Sadiq, is Umar boxing the 20th? I think he is. Daryl Williams. He's hoping all of these guys carry a card. And the thing Man, is... Here he comes back again, dragging his gammy leg behind him. <laughs> but the thing, is, the thing is... No, the thing is, hand on heart, right? The undercard was looking good. That was looking better than a matchroom undercard. I've never seen someone more awkwardly trying to get onto but, a chair. <laughs> a testament but, but, to his but the, the, ab- <laughs> the abject fuck-up... And he's back. By, but the, the abject fuck-up by Warren, again. If I'm a BT exec, 
and I'm reading Twitter, even if I'm not connected with boxing, I'm going into that board meeting going, who the fuck is this Frank Warren? Who the fuck is Billy so Joe? Angry. And why the fuck is this fight not happening again? I've only heard the end of this, but I agree wholeheartedly with everything. Uh, oh. Sam O'Reilly asks, what do we see as the most likely scenario for the Warren show on the 23rd of June now that BGS is off? A new opponent for Murray, or will it be scrapped entirely? Scrap. It's got to be scrapped. Don't scrap it, for fuck's what sake. What are you going to do because... with the O2? Like... Honestly, they, they might as well get KSI out or whatever his name was, that YouTuber. Do it. But but don't scrap it because Dubois versus Little is a fight I want to see. But it's not an 0-2 fight. It's not a no, headline No, 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 fight. agreed, agreed. But the thing is, the undercard is so good. Uh, I want know, something to anchor I there. feel completely and utterly sorry for everybody on that undercard. I feel horrendous for them. Because Martin Murray's in a world title fight. He never earned, he never deserved, and he was never going to win. That <laughs> That's three facts. You could give any of that. But there are a whole load of lads. I know Johnny Garton personally. I know Umar Sadiq personally. Personally. They're lads that they're trying to make their way in life. You know, Johnny Garton is a car uh, technician. He works in a garage. I think he may have given it up a couple of fights back to concentrate on the boxing full time. He's got a missus, got a young kid. His missus is an Irish dancing teacher. I know that. Um... I know all this personal stuff about these people. And these people have been in training camps. Umar Sadiq's been in a training camp. If this fight doesn't come off, if this night doesn't come off, same as when that Untouchables card that was meant to be um, Tete, Yard, and Bradley Skeet, and that got scrapped, then they had to put it onto York Hall. So those lads at least got the alternative. They went to York Hall. But I don't want to see these lads not get a chance. Can they not at least shunt it to the copper box? Well... That's assuming the copper box is free on like two weeks' notice. What the hell do they do in the copper box when they don't do boxing? I've no idea. Like handball, I think, isn't it? Massive sport in London. I feel you could just kick them out. <laughs> go, just go, listen, have some tickets. <laughs> Which I'll do anyway. Yeah, there's loads going. <laughs> but no, I, I'm genuinely concerned and I'm genuinely worried that, number one, Frank never had it in him to go, this whole Canelo Golovkin thing is shaky. Let me have someone in training like, yep. like Herndon would tack him as, as much as we don't believe it but it's a good story have someone in training say to Dennis Hobson I know we've got issues can we borrow Liam Cameron I will pay him whatever he- I'll pay him 15 grand it's not a large amount in no boxing. I'll pay him four, I'll pay him more than he's ever earned in his whole life because to that's sit on the bench. the show yep and Cameron would have dropped down in weight and he would have got ready and Frank could have said if you don't fight Martin Murray I'll find a way of making it happen with like a Langford or Jason Wellborn. Straight. We could have done all of that. But Jason Wellborn, he's probably fit and ready to go right now. Jason Wellborn has lived a life on the road as a fighter. The fact he won the British against Tommy Langford probably hasn't changed him. I'd imagine he's still ready to go. Get him in. Martin Murray's no better than that, let's be honest. Who else have we got at middleweight? No one really. Nobody that's ready. We've got lads coming through, but nobody that's ready yeah. to go there now. And no one that's ready to tussle with, with Murray. And then you look up and you go, who, who, who's Frank got who could boil down? Or who's around who could boil down to take that fight? And now you're struggling. Yeah. No, I agree. But Unless you back. said Daryl, catchweight, Martin Murray. Yeah, do it. But find a way to make this card happen on the 23rd because... It's going to take us a long way to finding out certain things because I really want to see Dubois versus Little. What you were saying earlier, though, about BT and their executives and what have you. Like, we've alluded to it various times on here. And I feel like today we might as well just fucking chat about it. The time that I got fucking... Ooh. Here we go. <laughs> Woo! 
a legal threat. The I, reveal. <laughs> I got a legal okay, threat. Sorry, sorry. Let, 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 please, let me get just, comfortable. Can we do, yeah, we just need to, all those times for those listeners that have listened. I mean, all <laughs> listeners to us over the years. Do you remember? You fucking grass, fear boulders, stuff like that. Um, all we might like, not explain that to be fair. We also we also had all right, okay. So, but we also referred to, or oh, you need to be quiet about that. And there was all this sort of like, it was subtext as to why Martin needed to be quiet. Over to you, Mister Theobald. Twenty second December, twenty sixteen. I got an email, and there was one prior. Well, I can't find it right now. Um, Outlook's not helping me on my phone because there's a guy who works for. Frank Warren's organization called Andy Ailing. Who, and who owes me 200 quid still. Yeah. And I appreciate saying this right now will probably end up with me getting an email during the week. I appreciate that entirely. <laughs> I'm taking the risk, whatever. Like, we've got help. So fuck you. <laughs> um, so, there was a comment made on Facebook after Katie Taylor's debut, maybe. I think it was. Um, Andy Ailing, who um, works uh, within the realms of boxing. I'm not going to give him a job title where he works because that got me in trouble. So we'll go with that. Put other highlights going to be on Snatch of the Day. Yes, you heard that correctly. Snatch of the Day. Wow. This is a time when you're trying to push Katie Taylor, an Olympic gold medalist. Somebody who is pushing the women's boxing forward. Who's granted pa- paving the way. Granted, doesn't do as much as she could do for women's boxing, but doesn't do fuck all. You know, Sky are trying to build. Least, that's a sexist. Sky are trying to build women's right? boxing, and then later on, Frank Warren takes on Nicola Adams. So they're trying to build women's boxing. Snatch of the day. Use that. Now, personally, I find that not offensive i'm not like i'm not offended by shit naturally but i thought that's a fucking stupid comment if nothing else so i'd contacted bt I don't know, just sorry just for the there's fans. no reason for you to feel i mean all right i'm sure there are people in the same position as you the same demographic demographic as you that would potentially feel offended by that but that sort of statement isn't going to make you feel it's not typically going to make someone in your position feel offended it's going to it's going it's there it's it's passive-aggressive belittling of, of, of people somebody. of other genders, so, of, of, you know, look, the only another position. The only thing you're ever going to offend me with in life is if you offended my kids. Other than that, you could oh, say... And your wife? My kids. Uh, <laughs> okay, no, look. My wife, my parents, my kids. You know, Shouts out, shout out to Claire. I got your back. I think, I think it'd break your heart if someone offended me and Terry. No, no, I do it all the time. Behind <laughs> your backs. Um... If you offend my wife, my parents, my kids, those three things get to me. The, everything else, you can offend me, you can offend everything else. I don't give a shit. Genuinely, I don't give a shit. I'm not that type of person. But reading that is a belittling of what somebody's achieved through their life. So they've put their heart, their blood, their soul into getting that Olympic gold medal. They make their debut. Other oh, highlights are going to be on Snatch of the Day. You're like, fuck me. Like, how 1960s is that? Like... <laughs> Be a nice no. dating website, though. No, I don't say. Be a nice dating website. <laughs> Snatch of the day. Just swipe right or swipe left based so on. Vagina. All I did was I contacted some uh, people at BT Sport and said, "This is the kind of person you're dealing with." Can, well, that well, is- I want to ask the listeners: Does that constitute grassing? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking grassing. <laughs> so, yeah, I did that, and within 48 hours, I had a legal letter from. Um, 
Frank Warren's legal department. Well, I won't give away the name of their lawyers. I'm sure other people out there have probably had them in the past as well. I'm probably sure I'll get one by Wednesday. <sighs> I love this. But, so, yeah, I, I send this off. I get this email back within 48 hours, and then I get another email on the 22nd of December about something separately. So just take that as a message of, A, what was a separate issue? Let's <laughs> <laughs> not worry about that. No, no, I'm intrigued. It was a tweet I put out. I can't remember what it was. Um, <laughs> when, so, did, when did you put it out? I don't know. Roughly middle of September? Maybe. It's not even... It, it doesn't exist anymore. So look. Oh, it lives all in all of us. <laughs> the point is, look, I contacted about the fact that I thought this was genuinely really bad practice for something that you're trying to build a sport. Women's boxing is a sport that's trying to be built. And you get that kind of belittling by somebody who works within the realms of boxing. Um, and then within 48 hours, in the days of GDPR, I'd fucking love to know how that would sit. I would love to know how that sits anyway in regards to data protection, etc., etc. So if anybody ever wants to give me advice. They would have sent you an email going, listen, you grassing cunt. We've got to delete your details <laughs> unless you consent to us calling you a grassing cunt <laughs> in perpetuity. <laughs> Please contact us so that we can grass and use some more. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I um, I got this email threatening legal action against me, wanting these things doing. Um, and then I, I say I got another one on the twenty second December, just three days before Christmas, which is you know a Merry very Christmas grass, a very well timed twenty second December. So. That that's my experience of how things are handled when you go within BT and then it gets handed straight over to the people that you've complained about and then you get a legal letter. Uh, I'm just saying. Did you ever receive a response back from your complaint? Not one. <laughs> I've never heard from but, BT but, Sport. All I heard from was a lawyer. So here's the thing. Everyone forgets that when the deal was done with BT Sport, on one side of the deal you had Frank Warren. On the other side of the deal, you had whatever the number he's called, I forget his name, but he used to run Box Nation. So it's a really cozy cabal at BT Sport. And I remember... You could have fucking warned me before I sent the email. Oh, mate. <laughs> We'd never have this great content. But here's the thing. Step back I don't, and look, watch the fireworks, no, no, but I, I kick lumps out of ITV for having that cash-grabbing wanker Poxen involved in their situation oh. who's delivered absolutely fuck all. If he has delivered anything, feel free to sue me. I'm confident you've delivered nothing other than keep your nose in the trough Christ. and enjoy yourself. Well done, Poxen. Love you too, mate. But let's also look at BT and go... We're all getting letters this week. What the F is going on at BT Towers, right? Look, here's my solution. If I'm a BT exec, I'm going to sit there and go, who's really striving to deliver a product here? And I'd say to Frank, we're going to halve your dates and we're going to whack Steve Goodwin on the other half of your dates. Now, it kicks a hole in Steve Goodwin's model, but what a challenge for the man. Can you fill a BT quality show with decent fights? Here's a budget for you. Run around and do what you've got to do. Because I think Frank needs that kick up the backside. I almost think... Eddie Hearn's gone too far that Frank's almost like, I can't keep up with him. I have to wait for him to fall over at some point. So he's got complacent. Whereas Steve's got that hunger now where he's like, at some point I want to be televised. I believe I deliver a product that's not far away from what 
you know, some of the broadcast guys are doing. But is it any wonder that Eddie Hearn can go off to America, start trying to work on billion dollar deals? <laughs> we'll come on to that later. Oh, yeah. Um but you know, leave the UK behind, go off to America and start pastures new when you've got your main challenge at home is cancelling, you know, big events at two weeks' notice. When was the last time a Hearn event got pulled? Because remember, as much as you slated it last year, and I get why you slated it, Frank Buglioni versus Ricky Summers headline in the O2. That was only headlining because the main event got pulled. Just for the record, I love Frank. Now that Frank hasn't got the British belt, I like Frank. I love Frank. But that fight was only headlining because the main event got pulled. Can everyone, so- can everyone tell Frank I love him, right? Anything that's ever happened in the past is null and void now. I'm a Buglioni fan. I'm diehard. I am... All about the wise. No, nah, mate, you can't just cry your way into someone's good graces, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're in the shit heap now, Terry. Um, it's going to get awkward at Don's gym one day, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, they went ahead as much as it wasn't a great main event by any means, and the undercard was relatively poor. They still put it on. They blacked out a lot of the O2 on the top tier, and Hearn came out swinging. Straight after that, Hearn came out swinging. Like, well, Bullioni versus Summers, British title fight. Like, well, yeah, what are you complaining about? Ten I, years ago, this would have been like pay-per-view. On a Warren <laughs> That's the kind of uh, argument he would yeah, have made. On a Warren show, this is manner from heaven. So we don't know what's going on with the Warren show. They're going to announce on Monday what's going on. If they're still going to run the O2 or if they're going to pull it or whatever. There might be an alternative. I hope they do something to give those lads on the undercard some way of making a living basically because that's what it is that's what it is for a lot of them um i have a question reese uh, i don't know if you saw news this week um via gogo the uh, a minister within the government said don't use via gogo that was that was her statement uh because you use stubhub people were <laughs> people were buying tickets and uh, and I don't know, I can't, I can't remember a specific example, but it'd be up there with like, you've paid £300 for face value £40 tickets. And then you've gone, right, I've accepted that pay. That, that, in fact, there was a woman, she'd paid for £50 face value tickets, she'd paid £110 for each one. And then when she looked in her bank account, something like £700 had been taken because of these ambiguous fees that weren't right. included, right? So so that that was them getting... And and because of that, they were then told, right, clean up your act. They didn't respond and do it in the time frame. So therefore, the government have said, don't use them and blah, blah, blah. Now, my question is, with the scrutiny that's been placed upon them for that, are we any closer to that industry being cleaned up or it being made illegal? Right, Riku. You see, Stubob... And at the end, you know all them fucking bastards ripping off fans and that. That was half Yorkshire, half Geordie. Sorry. Yeah. Pull it back. <clears throat> no, look. <laughs> Don't be surprised if stop, stop Joshua fighting Wilder in America. That's all I'm going to say on this side. I said this a while back. This, we, we're, we're at the point when if Coogan had the balls, if Michelle Joy Phelps had the nipples, I know Rob Tebber's got the stones for it. And someone just says to Eddie Hearn, who are the signatories on the Joshua contracts? Who signed up to these contracts, number one? Number two, who makes the decisions about Anthony Joshua? 
I asked this question yesterday. I was at a Nigerian event briefly because obviously I played England and people were celebrating. And I got pulled up for my hate of Joshua. Fuck me, the number of people who listen to this podcast that I don't know. Wait, didn't didn't Joshua... <laughs> wasn't he in the Nigerian end for the first half? And the England... No, no, he was when England scored two. And then he was in the England end for the second half when Nigeria scored one. <laughs> so he couldn't really celebrate any of no, them. No, 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 wasn't he in a box? <laughs> I thought he had a box. I'm sure he switched ends. <laughs> no, no, but... Because but, so, so, I, got, I got asked this and I said... Someone needs to explain to me the nature of Joshua's contract because I'm hearing from mutual contacts and friends that, number one, the money we think he's earning is not what he's earning. Number two, he's not as in control as we think he is. So part of me thinks the contracts he has have automatically exercisable options. So he might not have a choice whether he wants to resign or not, which would be interesting. But we need to know who are the signatories on the contract. Because Sh- I don't believe there's a hern on the contract. Surely a, not a contract that renews itself would be against BBFC's no, regulations. No, it no. wouldn't. So what's the point of having a uh, a time frame on contracts Here, if they can self-renew? If I promote you, I say, look, Andy White, if I secure you a world title shot within three years, we automatically renew for another two. All oh, right. So it's part of a reg- it's part of a like a deal inside the contract. Yeah. Like, if you like, sign it, that's yeah. you. So, so that might have happened. So it might be that when any offer comes through, Joshua's team has a view, Sky have a view, the sponsors, StubHub, have a view as well. Well, and- I said it ages ago. StubHub, 80,000 people at Cardiff, 80,000 people at Wembley, resell half of them, that's 120,000 people. If they're charging an average of £10 per ticket as an administration fee... Think of, they're losing out on huge income per Joshua fight. So if he goes over to America and fights, that sponsorship's worth fuck all to them. Because they don't have, they don't have that relationship with any other boxer, if I'm correct, right? No, they have a direct sponsorship relationship. With Joshua? Yeah, only. To the best of my knowledge, you'd in imagine, the UK. You'd, you'd imagine it's a tripartite agreement, StubHub, Joshua and Sky. I, I realise it wouldn't be the first time this has happened. But that would be a monumental error on Joshua's behalf if he signed a contract that self-renews. Uh, it depends what the numbers are. I was going to say, it, it depends what the numbers do. Because if, 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 it's, if it's come down to StubHub holding him back from a £50 million fight in America, that's, oh my God, I've shit the bed territory. But we've said they, before, £50 million was always like a make-believe number yeah. almost. And I so recognise that, that would but happen. now he'd be thinking, oh my fucking God, I'll take that. And then StubHub go, no, you won't. So if he signed a contract 18 months ago, imagine £50 million at that point would have been even more yeah. make-believe. I, yeah. But it, it just strikes me as, I'm a, I always go on the basis from what you guys have told me about boxers having self-belief. And if they do have this undying self-belief, you've got to assume that a gold medalist who two years ago, was he a world champion two years ago? No. So, but, but, he's, but he's, on the, he's on a meteoric rise. Oh, sorry, rise I, I thought point. you meant the Olympics. No, no, yeah, yeah. Right, the Charles Martin fight was 2016. 2016. Yeah. So, at this point, he's renewing a contract. Am I right? <coughs> he is this year. Yeah. So... Uh, but when was when did he renew that contract? What, no, no. It's, so it's run at what from, point did he sign for this it's run from potential auto-renew? No, no, no. What we're saying is it could just roll over. If, if he's hit his performance metrics or, or, or Sky have hit their performance metrics for him, it could just roll over. So could he be caught, therefore, in a, in a never-ending, 
loop of contracts. It happened to George Michael, right? Remember when George Michael had that thing with Sony? There are certain uh, boxing I'm, I'm promoters out there who have options that they build in to uh, fighters. So, Indongo. Right, so yeah. Um, if you're talking... I mean, Indongo's a good example. You're bringing in an away fighter. Um, this is why certain promoters within the top two of British promoters sometimes struggle for decent away fighters. So I've got a fighter, right? Um, and he's my fighter and he's the favourite. Now I need an opponent for him. Andy, you've got a fighter. You're a promoter in the Northeast. Now I want your fighter to fight my fighter. So what we'll do is we'll say we'll sign this fight agreement. However, if your lad wins, he signs with me. And when he signs with me, he signs on not exactly the best terms in the world. Um, so you'll still have an input to him. So you'll still get some cut of that money. But he becomes my fighter at that point. So my lad's been upset. I can pretty much disregard him. But I get your fighter now. Um, and these are the terms they're going to have for the next three fights. And so you as their manager or promoter have to make a decision. Is that wise to do it or not? And often those are fucking low ball offers. But... What you're doing is, if you're a promoter in the Northeast, you haven't got a TV deal. You haven't got that aspiration to get somebody to a world title. Maybe one of those top two promoters in the UK does and has the platform to be able to do it and the money. So you're taking a risk at that point, hoping that, okay, look, I hand that lad over. If he wins, I hand him over and then they get the back in. You see it all the time. So we're in a position... I mean, that just that that sounds like a dystopian scenario, <laughs> frankly. Boxing's a depressingly a dystopian situation no. where you've got uh, a fifty. This could be the case that you've got a fifty million pound purse being offered to someone who wants to take it by someone who wants to fight him, by everyone who wants to see it, and because two blokes or three blokes around the world who aren't going to make as much money, they say, nah, that's not happening. Okay, so, so this is what I'll and say. And it will right? never happen because this you'll is, be constantly this locked is in this contract. On Friday, I was at the public workout at BXR. Shouts out to BXR. Decent facility. Thought it'd be bigger, but it's really nice. Eddie Hearn is kind of... It's from, Gary Logan's training joint. Yeah, it? yeah. I saw Gary, actually. He's a bit frosty, but I still love you, Gary. Um... Eddie Hearn was kind of from where I am to where Martin is away from me. And I was talking to a friend of mine. You have to wash after. (laughs) So I was talking to a friend of mine, right? We're talking and I can see Eddie. Eddie's looking at me going, you know that look that says I recognize him. And I'm talking, I'm like, I was saying to my friend Dimitri, I'm like, listen, British boxing fans have a choice. And I pointed at her and I said, you can tell that guy you're not watching another Joshua fight until he fights Wilder. Because the minute you don't do that, you give him an out. Deontay Wilder did his bit. He cleared his mandatories for a year. He gave the 50 million. He said, if you can match what I can make in the US, I will come to the UK. Matchroom said, we can't even deliver on what you promised Joshua. So they were like, why would we fight there? It doesn't make sense for us. It doesn't make sense for him. And why has the narrative now changed from Hearn and that? There was the interview the other day at the uh, at that same workout with IFL where Hearn's talking about, it has to be in the UK. Has to be in the UK. Why? Woo! Yeah, why? Yeah, Have another can. Fans. I've run out. 
<laughs> use it to but, the fans. Mate, if you want a gin and tonic. No, no, you, you're running out yourself. It's, uh, <laughs> it's dangerous territory. Woo. But, mate, your car tonight, Andy's going to be mental. Yeah, yeah. But why has it got to be in the UK? There's no reason. Because imagine Wilder started going, it's got to be in the US. Then every fucking her night out there would be going, oh, he's ducking him, ducking him, ducking well, they, him. They did. And yet, remember, all the bullshit, every time Wilder said something, like, we don't believe it. And then her was like, oh, the money's real. Oh, okay. uh, I, I had the, one of your cornflake crunches that you go on about. <laughs> I had an argument with one the other day, and it went on and on and on. He was saying Joshua deserves it in the UK because he's got the most belts. I'm like, what no, fucking no, no, no. difference does that make? Like, you don't get a pound per belt. You don't get anything per belt. What you get is an offer that is fifty million here, ten million there. So, so I have it on reasonable authority. Joshua would take the 50 mil if he could because he's like, well, it's an insane amount of money. I fight Wilder 50 mil, (laughs) I fight Tyson Fury 25 30 mil. I don't have to box again, doesn't matter what my record says. I've done the thing I wanted to do and I've got out the game with my health and my faculties. And as much as you sit there and I sit there and say Wilder probably wins, he might not, he might not, Joshua might win. Joshua might unify the entire heavyweight division, be 50 million quid better off, or 50 million dollars, and go, there you go, all your belts back, fuck off. But here's the problem now. Because if I'm advising Wilder, I'm like, if Joshua ain't going to fight you, fight Brazil, fight that numpty below Brazil in your rankings. Now you don't have a mandatory for three years, you can fight who the fuck you want. And meanwhile, you're just going to watch Joshua have to defend his belts against... Povetkin against Pulev against Jarrell Miller and when he gets through those he's going to have to deal with Tyson Fury Huey Fury Joe Joyce Daniel Dubois yeah because if anything in this scenario between the two of them holding three belts actually turns out to be a bit of a weakness doesn't it it does especially when one of them is Povetkin because as much as they're trying to avoid Joshua going over to America don't forget the Povetkin team paid 32 33 million the for Klitschko. the Klitschko fight. For the Klitschko fight. So what would they pay to get Joshua over to Russia? They'd pay 50 mm. million. That can, that's gone to a per or going to a purse bid by the looks of it. It will likely go to a purse bid. So Hearn... And Hearn hasn't got good form. Hearn hasn't got that kind of form. Look at Dillian White against Kubrat Pulev. He so hasn't what, got that kind how, how of money. How that? Because they'll drop the belt, would they not? Probably. It would be very unlikely you're going to see Anthony Joshua flying over to Russia. If he's not playing, it's to go not to, Rocky. If he's not going to America for fifty million, then he's not getting dragged over. He's not to getting Russia. dragged to Russia for thirty. No, against some roided who can fucking <laughs> juice up all he likes. And, and, and when none of us are going to go, cake mix and an old jacket yeah. or something. No, because none of us are going to go there. Because after the World Cup, there'll be about three thousand England fans, and they'll just be fucking on milk cartons, whatever it is. <laughs> what, what happened to these guys? <laughs> but it's true because, like, imagine. <sighs> Imagine Joshua having to go over there. Because when they're pissing in cups and whatever, and it, it'll be turning green. <laughs> and people will just be going, yeah, that is fine. Yeah, that is clean. fine. That is how we piss in Russia. Why are you putting those shaded goggles on? Because we cannot look at the piss directly. It burns our retinas. <laughs> yeah, but I have so, lost other children so, because so, of so, so, Dracula so, now. I want to suck your urine. A hundred euros. Oh, I kill. <laughs> no, but honestly, guys, guys, if we go back, uh-huh. hundred euro, Kel, every, succula. 
If everyone remembers, I said on the podcast, I remember which one it was, I said, the Wilder Joshua fight will never happen. And I was confident it wouldn't happen for two reasons. One, Wilder doesn't need it. We're going to shit on Wilder regardless, right? But he doesn't he doesn't get a fair rap for his record. The guy bloody beat Ortiz and we found reasons to discredit him. He can't win. Oh, how frustrating would it be for AJ in this scenario? You're thinking to yourself, like, it could be a scenario where where someone else could uni- end up unifying the division. Fury. Well, that's the name I was thinking of, but Fury could unify it. And AJ's sitting there thinking, I could have done that if it wasn't for me being held back and been 50 million pound richer if yep. it wasn't my fucking contract. What I've heard. I signed 43 years, that my granddad signed for me. And because they hit the metrics, they have done I think still- his, grand- his granddad was Irish. On, on relatively good authority, um, is that there is a a strong disagreement between AJ, Hearn and McCracken. So you've got three, Rob McCracken is trainer. And he's looking at me. Not Max blank. McCracken. No, I'm just thinking, they all disagree with each other? No, no. Right. Joshua wants the fight. Joshua wants the fight. McCracken is up for the fight. Hearn is Hearn doesn't want to give away all the power within it. Well, no, no. Sky don't want to give away the revenue. So here's the problem, is that Hearn has other people to answer to. Joshua has himself to answer to. He's a boxer. Yeah, 50 million is good. McCracken's like 12 and a half mil. McCracken is going to be taking X amount off of that as a trainer. So he's up for it. And he believes his man can win it. Then you've got Hearn. And when you look back at that BXR interview on IFL the other day, Hearn says about Barry Hearn is over with Shelley Finkel um, discussing this fight over a coffee as we speak. A while back, we tweeted out or discussed on here, I can't remember which, uh, the fact that Hearn will not be involved in these discussions. There are people above Hearn, Eddie Hearn, who are involved in these discussions. And sometimes we get called fucking mentalists. I'm not one to blow our trumpet, right? I'm not one to sit there and go, we know everything. Terry's very good at that. Terry will do it all day long. All right. Fucking hell, all right. No, because you're good at it. Mate, you you can expect a letter. (laughs) But you're good at it. I'm not, I'm not good at it. But sometimes we know things and we're not allowed to tell you where we know them from or how we know them. Yep. But when we say, and sometimes we'll just leave it in there for you, when we say Eddie Hearn isn't involved in these discussions, we sometimes know things that people should listen to a little bit carefully. Yep. Because Eddie is not involved in these. So when he says Barry Hearn's out there now discussing with Shelley Finkel, yeah, because you're a fucking public schoolboy little brat. There's out there bullying people, calling him Shelly Winkle. Ah, you fucking prick, right? Um, So here's the problem, that you've caused that issue. So your old man's got to go out there. Clean it up. And clean it up. I've just received 14 emails from various people's uh, (laughs) solicitors. The Chap and Dharma legal team, do you know who they are? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Put that to the bottom of the pile. I've got more important priorities (laughs) to deal with this week. Can I I ask, therefore, if... Quick quick one, quick one. Go on, go on. Look at this fight. Joshua versus Wilder, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Yes, Tyson did it. Tyson did it with three belts. This is for all four belts. An American fight, this is a $300 million pot. Fact. And the rest. Yeah. International rights, just in America, three hundred. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Then if you look globally, this is a half a billion pound oh, fight. They can't get 50 million. Eddie Hearn doesn't sign those Where kind of checks. Where did you get that money from? Eddie Hearn, he doesn't sign those kind of checks. The man who signs those kind of checks isn't even Barry. Okay, okay. It's, it's, it, will, it is Barry. So Francis. A, AJ 
let's just say they say to AJ, look, it's not going to happen, mate. It's not going to happen. They want that 50 million in America and we can't. We can't because, because I've got businessmen A, B and C all telling me that it just doesn't work for them. So can AJ, what, would, what can AJ do? So, Could so, he drop so, the belt? No, no, look at what AJ is doing. Like AJ is doing what I call the silent rebellion. He's doing nothing. No, no, he's doing in the, public. No, no, he's doing a very silent rebellion. So if you look at what Anthony Joshua is, go back a couple of years, right? Joshua was that guy. He was out with the lads. It all looked very amenable to the British public. It wasn't that long ago since he was sat topless whilst everyone else had an AJ dirt. <laughs> but, but, having his last <laughs> supper photo. But, but if you look at Joshua in the last six months, I've been tracking this, right? Hats on as well. Everyone Joshua's associated with in the last six months has been Muslim. I've checked. I know now. The venues he goes to are owned by Muslims. He's become very Pan-Africanist. No, his manager, his manager, uh, Freddie. S- Freddie Cunningham. No, no, but this is more... He's not Muslim. No, no, I mean in his social circle. Okay. So, the places you're seeing him go to, owned by Muslims. I've double-checked this. I've been to some of these places. You're this seeing- is the level of research you get on this podcast. Yeah. So, so what you're seeing with Joshua is... The Anthony Joshua that Matchroom and Sky try to keep hidden is coming out now. You'll know this because I, I genuinely haven't got a clue. What's the religion of Nigeria? It's part of like, it's Muslim, part of it's Christian. Okay, so there's no and predominant. Then, the, then or... there's traditional faiths. So the, the Muslim thing is more of a British thing. The Nigerian thing, his pride, I think it's just national pride. Like, honestly, I think, I think Anthony Joshua's a proud African man. I think he's a proud Nigerian. I think he had to suppress that to get to a certain level. Yep. But you're seeing it more and more now. There, there's, there, there was a, I don't know if it was Snapchat or Instagram. There's a lad I used to know from Fitzroy Lodge called Derek Osaze. His mum-in-law had a group of kids walking with her. Joshua stops his car, gives her about four or five hundred quid cash and says, listen, this is respectful looking after these kids. Go and give them a good time. Jumps back in his car. And I'm seeing this stuff. And now my view on Joshua is changing. I'm like, I like this guy. This is the Anthony Joshua I like to see. Whether the rest of the country wants to see this, I don't know. And whether this becomes that silent rebellion of, this is how I'm going to show these slave masters in Sam, Sam O'Reilly air quotes, these slave masters that I can be my own man, I don't know. But let's watch where Joshua goes between now and the end of the year. I have a feeling we're go- he's going to drift more and more away from that mainstream vision that we had for him. But if he's a religious man, be a religious man. Like, yeah. I think most of society isn't Tommy Robinson, isn't a racist fuck nugget. To be fair, um, I am. Well, you're Tommy Robinson? Yeah. I, I, I film paedophile trials everywhere. <laughs> Um, Post them onto Pornhub if you ever want to, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I think most what? people would just accept him as a Nigerian Muslim man if that's the case. Like, you're going to have to accept you'll lose a little no. bit of that British backing. You're going to lose that, that football. You're, you're going to lose, you know, yeah, yeah. lose that football reactionary numpty element. Do you remember when he did the picture of himself praying in Dubai? Well, the one we had his sunglasses yeah. on the doors, yeah. And, and Twitter went ape shit. I think it was like 27,000 responses. All right, AJ blocked. Never buying another one of your tickets, you Muslim fuck. Why don't you just fucking go and live in Saudi Arabia, you cunt? All that stuff was happening this on was Twitter. This was just Terry. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it was. No, no, no. I'm a, I'm a Joshua guy. I'm, I'm, I'm team AJ now. I need, to, I need to go and make peace with him and beg for mercy. 
You need to beg for mercy over Cena, motherfucker. <laughs> nah, you nah, out. You, nah, can't nah, cry, nah. you can't cry or beg your way into good graces, nah, Yeah, I know. I'm the sort of guy. I told you before. You know, I'll tell you it's again. It's weird, isn't it? Like, <laughs> the, 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 the scrap, I'd, have, I'd, I'd happily have the scrap. Would you? I, yeah. I think it's more the, you know, the, the political element of it. Of I still want to be involved in boxing. <laughs> but the scrap, oh, all day, every day. Have you still be involved, Terry. Swig, you still got us. Swig from his third cider. Which has been uh, which has been topped up by two gin and tonics. Got one more to go. Which is basically he's nearly peak AJ scrap time yeah. now. Hey, fucking right, me. Oh, say you out, swing. I think I hit harder than Anthony Joshua. Man. How far are we in? Uh, I don't know. I normally look round at the laptop, but I'm we're fucked today. We're somewhere in the region of an hour and forty minutes in. That's really? Right. Yeah. yeah. Good work. So, uh, I've missed the have, train. Would, I've accepted. I've missed many. Would, what time's your next train? A oh, fuck knows. Would Joshua drop the belts? Can he? Sorry, he'll have to. No, no, no. He'll could, have to. Can he drop the? Could he say to Hearn, "Give me the fire, I'll drop my belt"? Yeah, he vacates. Why not? He can do. That's not anyone else's choice apart from him. But you've got three belts and you've got three mandatories that are going to get called in the next 12 to 15 months. AJ fights twice a year. How do they spin him dropping a belt? Well, they'll just say, <laughs> you know, we've got bigger fights to have. It they was were unreasonable. Like, well, they were making him fight in Russia. You know, the current climate He's not even Russia. the biggest American heavyweight. Have you heard of Big Baby Miller? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look. What else no, we got to no, cover? No. Come on, man. No, let's no, try no, and keep no, this no, two no. hours. We haven't got no, an agenda. No, no I realise no, no. that, but Terry's not been here for three No, weeks. no, but let's touch on how clever Hearn actually is, right? Because oh, I, I, I said... I sent, this time, I can't deal with this. You oh, can, no, Mark, because I need you here for this one. Oh, he's moved the stall out no, I need you here for this time. one. Yeah. No, no, because oh, okay. I, I remember I sent, I sent a message to you guys, right? I and said, I said, I said, watch. Watch how clever Hearn is. Dubois is going to fight Tom Little, right? And within, I reckon, within 10 days of that fight, Hearn's going to go, yeah, Tom Little asked a lot of questions of Dubois. He looked a bit shaky. And then you go to Coogan. I tell you what would be a really good fight, Coogan. Nick Webb versus Daniel Dubois. You did say this a while back. Yep. Uh, and he, this is how he'll spin it. Nick Webb, ABA champion. Dubois never won the ABA championship. And then he'll go, there's a backstory. I can't talk about it, Coogan, but there's a backstory behind this. And I don't think... Daniel Dubois wants it with Nick Webb. He'll frame it that way as soon as Dubois deals with Tom Little. And that's the fight you're going to see next because... And he will deal with Tom Little. Yeah, well... He, he, look, he will. Tom, Tom will ask him questions for a bit. It won't be interesting. And uh, well, It probably won't go ahead anyway. Let's find out tomorrow. <laughs> but there, so, so look, out for, look out for how Hearn starts to position Nick Webb as a blocker to Daniel Dubois. And when Dubois gets over Nick Webb as a blocker... He'll put Dillian White in the way. And I'll tell you now, Nick Webb is dog shit. Dog shit. <laughs> he is. I saw Nick Webb against Harry, Harry Miles, Miles, a cruiserweight on uh, David Hay undercard at the O2. And Nick Webb just swung for the hills every single shot. Big right hands that, honestly, like Stevie Wonder would have stepped back from. Apparently like, Stevie Wonder was... can see. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Have you seen the conspiracy on YouTube? No. Because there's a video of Stevie Wonder. A Just mic following women's tits <laughs> as they walk around the room. So, so, it was a mic stand drops, right? And it's not even Stevie's mic stand. And he catches it. Six cents, like, man. What the fuck? Uh, Six cents. But, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, Nick Webb is terrible, right? Harry Miles, who's a cruiserweight by profession, he beat Nick Webb that night. He beat yeah. him. Everybody that I sat by, he beat him. 
Nick but, Webb won it like 40-36 on the card. But it was the thing atrocious. about Webb, the thing about Webb is if he hits you, you'll go down. Oh, I've no doubt and, at all. And that's what Hearn's going to sell. I hope he never hears this. I hope I never see him if he does. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'll be going down. Yeah. Although but, but I'd probably step back and just laugh. But. Look out for that build-up, yeah, where Hearn goes, I'm going to make an offer for Dubois to fight Nick Webb for the British. Martin's just off for a piss. Oh, mate. Fury, Martin Fury and then Bob Arum. Martin, uh, just a slight break there. Martin, a lot more slickly gets into his position this time. I'll give him that. With his uh, gamut. How did the op go? I think people will be interested to hear mine. I'll give you the uh, gory details. So, I've got damaged cartilage in the knee, in the right knee. This is gross, by the way. Like really damaged, and so the problem is that the the knee bone and the knee cap have been rubbing together for a period of time. It's caused what's called a micro fracture in the patella, Sick. which they thought was two millimeters. Um, oh, double but, that, mate. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> as it turns out, it was four millimeters. So what they've had to do is Gross. put uh, like surgery to go in, scrape the patella. Um, which is the kneecap, <laughs> scrape it to level it off to get rid of the micro fracture, which then, also is and meant then just to... a little bit of polyfiller. <laughs> no, they they level it off rather than try and fill it in. I think I was asleep, so I don't really know. Um, and then they uh, that also stimulates cartilage growth, apparently. Mm. Mm. And then they mm. have to clear out what they call, and I love the word debris. So all the cartilage, all the bone that's flaked off within the knee. I imagine it's like gristle. That's what I imagine, like gristle. Yeah, it's gristle. So yeah. you've got the problem that I've got a knee bone and a knee cap that got no cartilage. So it's oh. like an engine running without oil. They're just scraping against it. It's like the white Ledley King. I am like the white Ledley King. I was a centre half as well, you know. So you're just going to be doing the podcast from a swimming pool next time. <laughs> then I'll what? become a coach. <laughs> what was wrong with his Lily King's knee? Was it was that the same sort of thing? Or? No cartilage, you need the knee. Oh, God. So the problem is, I, ideally, they would give me a new knee, like they'd give me a replacement knee. But because I'm 35 years old, oh, yeah. a new knee only lasts between 10 and 15 years, like a knee replacement. And so you can only have three in a year, uh, sorry, three in a lifetime. Because any more than that, my brother's a surgeon, or my brother's a doctor in um, false limbs and shit like that. The I thought he did concussions. That, that, that no, he deals his, with that as well. <laughs> that's his job um, or just title. on the side. That's his job title, false limbs and shit like that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, he uh, his doctorate is in uh, the Achilles tendon, if you ever want to ask questions about that. <clears throat> what did you think of David Hay? I asked him about that a while back. Um, it was all fake news. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, like don't digress yet. You can only have three knee replacements in a in a lifetime because and because your bones run out of the ability to stamp them on. Essentially, like wow. you'll get to the point, and because it only lasts between ten and fifteen years, I've got potentially thirty years of knee replacements. I'd be sixty-five, and then I've got no bone left to stick another knee onto. Oh, you've got so I'd, leg. I'd be left with half a leg at that point. Can't they just give you PRP? Come on. Wait a minute, is that like PPI? Do I get money back? No, nah, <laughs> you, you might get some cartilage back. So it's like platement replacement therapy. It's, so what they do is they get loads of stem cells, centrifuge all that shit, and then inject it into the site. And then the theory is... Sounds experimental. Well, a lot of footballers get it done. Do I have to go to, uh, I don't know, maybe Marbella for you, it? You, well, you might have to go to Croatia. 
Um, what well, they have talked about is putting a metal plate between the knee bone and the kneecap to create like a false cartilage, so it will just slide over that. I don't ouch. really fancy that, to be honest. But just keep so, injecting Vaseline into there, mate. It'll sort it out. So the problem is, I haven't been able to train so, or so do you'd anything. Be like the WBC titanium champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I'll be mandatory, and then I'll just appeal <laughs> if I'm not. Just like Dillian White. Um, I'm the white Dillian White. So. Yeah, like I've not been able to do anything at all since December of last year. Like because if I do, my knee just breaks. Well, I down. thought that was because you were getting sued. <laughs> that was 2016. Kill <laughs> uh, me your last year in teeth. Do we, is that, is that is the asking of your brother about the Achilles tendon, David Hay? Is that something worth diving no, into? No, I'd or? need to go back and like revisit what he told right. me. Revisit the notes. Um, yeah. Tyson Fury fights this weekend. Who cares? On his comeback. We keep getting reminded I on, think Joshua beats him. I think Wilder beats him. Twitter. Uh, I don't even think Sefer Safiri cares. The last, time I saw, the last time I saw him, he, he got down to 17 stone. He said he was going to have to put on weight for when he fights. Last no, time you saw him, what, little last week? <laughs> no, but here's the thing with Fury. Online, no, no, here's but... the thing, right? You leave Peter Fury. So I imagine there's probably a familial issue there. But there is. It means you're going to have to change how you box. You cut, Peter's the master of, I'm going to just be incredibly awkward and just kind of nick the round. I think people have this misconception that Tyson Fury is a natural boxer in that style, in that ability. He's not. He wasn't until Peter Fury got involved with Tyson Fury. And so don't be under the illusion that Peter Fury added nothing to Tyson. Yep. So I'm so I'm looking at Ben Davis and I'm thinking, are you going to turn Tyson into a front foot guy? Do you mean Ben Davison, the same Ben Davison who took Billy Joe Saunders up to Scotland at Paisley Leisure Centre? I guess Arta Akafov, um, where he scraped a twelve-round decision. Yeah, so I'm I'm incredibly worried. I, I'll be, I'll put it out there. It's like I was, I was revisiting the Joshua Klitschko fight this week, and one of the things I've learnt is you don't beat Joshua unless you go with him. So you need to be throwing at least 45 to 50 punches around and you probably need to land about 18 to 20 of those punches on Joshua. If you do that, you'll win the round against AJ. The formula is kind of that simple. Wilder's good. He averages about 43, 44 punches around and he can probably connect with 40 to 50% of those. Definitely on Joshua, he'll do that. So I have no worries about Wilder in a fight with AJ. He moves well enough. Fury's not that high volume of puncher. Can he live with these two punching machines? Don't know. Is Ben Davison the guy to solve that problem? Maybe, but he needs to show us on June the 9th. If I see the same fury I've seen before, I'm going to back Wilder and Joshua to beat him. Do you know what? At this point, I would just love to see... I, I'm, I feel like I'd just love to see either Tyson Wilder, Tyson um, uh, Joshua or Joshua Wilder. Any of those combinations. He's a year off. I'd be off happy that. with just one of them. He's, he's a year off that because you have to understand he's caught between styles at the moment. Fine. Can I throw in an alternative? <clears throat> I don't give a fuck about June the 9th in terms of, it doesn't tell me anything because the guy he's fighting is the second or third worst cruiserweight in Albania. And isn't the best one his brother? Yeah. <laughs> and so why His is, brother was on a stag do. <laughs> why is he fighting this geezer? Because... Look, if you were that good that you could beat Klitschko in your last fight, and, okay, you've been through the tumultuous time, the ups and downs, the mental, the physical, get all of that. But if you were that good, you shouldn't be fighting this 
fucking... Is well, it, he did say it, he's there it, to get beaten. Is he it, said that in an interview. Is it time to revisit that win against Klitschko? And go, what was he really fighting? Because, number one, I don't believe the, Josh, the Klitschko-Joshua fought was any good. I think he was... For the first five rounds, he couldn't get his timing, couldn't get his range. He looked like a guy who was rusty as fuck. He also looked like a guy who wasn't motivated until he got put on his ass. And then just the pride he has as a man I find it forced him to rise. throw in the other alternative. It's too- How was he fighting? This is a man. Look, it's a fucking elephant in the room. Every motherfucker ignores it. This is a man who's failed a fucking drugs test. This is a man who's failed for Nandrolone. We don't know that Tyson Fury was 100% clean in that. We don't. We, look, at the end of the day, we can all be Billy Brits about it and say, like, oh, he's British, you wouldn't have done that. Get to fuck, right? We call out fighters from all over the world for failing drugs tests. Yep. We say it about Canelo. We say it about his Nandrolone tests and eating uh, Mexican beef and whatever. Like, we don't know. Tyson was 100% clean yeah, of that. We don't know. Well, you don't know Klitschko was either, to be nope. fair. I mean, given, no, but, but, but on that basis, you can make that argument about. No, but, but what I would we say is with the, ties, with the ties of that to the Kremlin and the whole Russia thing. No, going on. okay. How many drugs tests has Klitschko? It's not tied to the Kremlin. Like, there's a reason Russia took over Eastern Ukraine. No. How not friendly. No, the, 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 the Klitschkos are a pro-Russian. Okay, aren't and actually, actually, for the record, you realize the the Klitschkos are actually Kazakh, right? Ethnic Kazakhs. Oh, I accept that. Just but putting they're it out still, there. They're still pro-Russian. So, okay, so answer the what question. What other podcasts would give you that fact? <laughs> How many drugs tests has Klitschko ever failed? No, no, no. We can't use that as an excuse. And I'll tell you why. Armstrong never failed a test. Man, you want to watch and, and, that and Icarus documentary on Netflix. Hold on, hold on. And more incredible. importantly, there's, there's a guy... And, he, and there's an Ethiopian guy, I can't remember his name, Jed Alam uh, or something. Mo, Mo Farah's Farah. mate. Uh, his mate. <laughs> yeah, his mate. Mo Farah's mate. There's too, there's too much ambiguity basically, in the yeah, whole Basically, they've pinged thing. him now. Where they're like, you, A, you're bribing off drugs officials. B, you were allegedly doping athletes. No, I 100% get all of that. 100%. I'm with you. But out of the two of them, one of them has failed a drug test. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in terms I, I of like smoke stuff. and all that jazz... Yeah, it points towards one of them more than it does the other one. But my my personal opinion would be that um, that what? It, that that particular okay, go on. that particular go on. tell us that particular fight. They're both on fucking fire. <laughs> hey, fire, fire. <laughs> that, 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 like, you know, it, it would make sense that most athletes are now doping. Define fire. <laughs> wait, wait. Do you remember? Do you remember do you, no. <laughs> do you remember when Andy was being cynical when I'd say this stuff? Andy was like, no, 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 no. Come on. I don't remember ever saying no, 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 mm. Terry. But mm. I. I like, uh, I told well you, every, every fucker at the elite level in boxing takes something all right. I think in the last couple of years, and having watched that Icarus documentary on, on Netflix, and to the extent to which the athletes in the uh, Russian um, Olympic Systematic team, doping program. Oh my, they were drilling holes in the walls so they could slide f- urine through them. They had frozen urine from times before. They were sliding back through the, so they could trick officials and they had... The B sample was, was next perfect. to the thing, and the KG. Execution. Oh, it was ridiculous. The amount so, that listen, was how much was going look, into it. And look, as soon as you uh, start uh, piling money into it, uh, and it makes it beneficial to do as it. As soon as you got a billion dollars. <laughs> oh, okay. It's just like no, look, in the look, last couple of years, it's made I'm me. I'm going for the hat entirely trick, yeah. more else look, me. look, listen. There are people listening. Just I'll put it out there, right? You're a fire. Look, I'm going to save you. A load of thinking, a load of fucking bullshit. Listen, yeah. 
Testosterone enthenate, testosterone cypionate, 400 milligrams a week, take that. Yeah? Growth hormone, if you can get a couple of IUs a week, take that. Take a little bit of EPO, tell me how you feel after that. You need to make weight, take a bit of clenbuterol, tell me how you feel after that. I feel great, Jerry. I can't have any kids anymore. And I'm really Stop. Take some HCG. You'll be back to normal. <laughs> there you go. Take some HCG, take a good PCT, and you're back to normal. So all you boxes, there's your blueprint. That's, that's how easy it is. Right. Give me a figure on a weekly basis that little like cocktail that you've mixed up there how much 120 quid uh oh no on a monthly nah, no no on a monthly basis expensive no, no, 100, on a monthly basis 180 no more okay. for growth hormone no it's not that expensive uh, well no, this so, has come down in price in the so, last so, year something like so much you you've been checking I've mate. Never taken you've been checking no. look, at, look at your arms andy <laughs> he's rubbing <laughs> his bollocks while he says it before We'll no, ask Formo is fucking expensive, man. It's Since not one month. No, 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 it's not, it's not insanely expensive. Since he came off Tinder. <laughs> because remember, Andy, you just get the Chinese version now, right? You get the Chinese version where you're like, nah, a month's supply. But it's even, even like, regardless of the price, it's not prohibitively expensive, yeah. let's put it that way. If, if, you're, if you're fighting for a British title, it's that's probably a more expensive to, to, for the, the actions you need to take to evade the drugs test. Yep. But, the, but the answer <laughs> is if you're somebody who is investing in their career, you're looking at one and a half grand a year. Yeah. To, okay. or, or, or to give yourself what, a 10, listen, 20, 30%? If you're an amateur, I'll save you that. I'll, save, I'll make it even easier for you. Disappear for a year. Take 600 milligrams of any testosterone, probably probably testosterone enthanate. Take 600 milligrams of, te of testosterone enthanate for six months. Chill for three months. Take another for three months. Tell me you're not stronger at that weight. Insanely strong at that weight. The, um, the guy, Blueprint. I was so, so back to Lance the... Armstrong's mate who was talking about this. And he said, when you're on testosterone, you feel more positive. You feel more, you feel like you can just go forever. He said, well, when you take growth hormone, it feels like you can bend metal. That's what he said. He's a BBC podcast from about two or three years ago. And it's so eye-opening. Well, that Icarus it... documentary where he's cycling uphill on his training runs. And he's just like, the, the guy's interviewing him as he's doing it. He's like, I could just do this all day. <laughs> all day. Like, I'm not getting it's tired. Incredible. It I'm, is incredible. And, 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 don't and he's breaking his records, isn't he? Yeah, over and he's like, and over again. I'm not even tired. I, I was just okay. gutted that they couldn't see that to its potential, yeah. that, no, that whole no, thing. But then let's in. turn it around. And now, now I've given you the, the macro dosing, right? That's just to get your shit like, wow, from zero to 100 in a second. Now let's talk about the micro dosing. Were you just taking. 10, 15 milligrams of test a day. Killing your training session. By the time you wake up the next day, you're never going to fail a test. Never going to fail a test. But you've got all of that benefit. So you always come under the line. Yep. That, and well, you get all the benefits. In that, that Icarus documentary, um, Terry, you need to watch it because it is, is like in that... Andy, I've seen it. Oh, okay. I, I wrote part of it. So, <laughs> so he even says, doesn't he? he says, if you freeze it what, at one hour, 23 minutes, what Terry... <laughs> And he says, I appear. that Russian guy, what do I do? And he's like, okay, stop now. Stop taking your stuff now because you've got X amount of time before you test. And he gives him, he starts, but just before it all busts open, he starts coaching him on how, when he needs to stop taking stuff in order because he's got a drug test yeah. coming up. And he's and watching he's, Icarus like we never talked about the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet told you all the shit you need yeah, to Yeah, I, I accept There's that. There's charts but on the this, spreadsheet. 
dates. Uh, and, but this comes back <laughs> equals to, dates. This actually comes back to what you were saying earlier, Mine, which is there uh, at the very least. This this behaviour has been alleged in this podcast, and you can watch a sportsman who speaks to a professional man who is then evidently linked to state statewide sanctioned doping, which then proves what has been said on this podcast. And if you think that it's not happening in all walks of might for me, for my money, football, rugby, boxing. <laughs> anything look, at the top level look at Guardiola's history oh, that's all Guardiola, you've got to say Guardiola oh. twice for Nandrolone was it oh 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 now, now now he wants to talk about this no 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 oh, like, I've never I've never sat and here and he's always been a big advocate of this one. I've never ever sat here and said to you that it's, it's not happening because there's no way that it hasn't happened from fucking day like Messi it's well known Messi was having problems as he was growing up yeah. with his growing so he was taking growth hormone right well Barcelona paid for it that was sanctioned right did it ever stop? Bit, 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 I, I, bit strange I, I, that, that they were so quick to go and pay for it, right? Didn't even offer to do any research. Like, well, we've never done this before. We need to actually understand what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do it all the time. There you go. And Spain was where Lance Armstrong's doctors were going to get to... to um, where they were holding his blood for them to come back and across. The guy was meeting Operation him at the border. Operation Puerto. Well, he was meeting him at the border, wasn't he? And then giving because him... it wasn't illegal in Spain. So that's the sort of thing you've got to think to yourself, like... Sure. And, and how many boxers have their training camps in Spain? <laughs> how many are in Marbella? How many management? Um, never been to Marbella. Uh, how many management? <laughs> yeah, Terry, you're looking really live today, actually. <laughs> you're looking <Ooh>. massive. <laughs> Since your trip to Marbella. Have you got growth? That's why he's saying to take look- on Joshua. i just been to Marbella. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, everyone knows me. When it comes to this doping, just assume your favorite athlete's on that shit. If he's not, he's a fucking idiot. I'll give you an example. I was talking to a lady called Cece Holcomb. 23 years old lady. I think she deadlifted 630 pounds yesterday. A woman that's 71.2 kilograms, 23 years old, deadlifted three times what most people listening to this podcast can do. Just let that marinate for a second. Yeah? Yeah? You don't do that eating Nando's and a bit of fucking Holland and Barrett creatine, that's for sure. And if she's doing it, you don't think those Superman guys you're watching on Instagram and liking, you don't think they're doing it? You don't think these guys who are boxing like machines for 12 rounds are doing it? Why aren't we talking about Joe Joyce teaming up with Angel Memo Heredia? Why are we not talking about that? Heredia with his history. Go and Google Heredia and Angel understand Heredia. there's no bigger red flag for me than a boxer working with Heredia. Do you mean Joe Joyce who can go for 12 rounds with that engine at, what, 19 stone? <laughs> While doing salsa, seemingly. What do you what, what do? You do? What, do you, what does the WADA, VADA, every other ADA, what do they do? Just, if you're a boxer, you're a trainer, you're a manager, tell your guy to take... <laughs> You're listening to the New Age Doping Podcast. No, morally, I can't tell you not to dope anymore because I don't think you'll be safe in the ring if you're clean. Just take the shit. Take the test. Take the growth hormone. Take the EPO. The problem problem is the testing... the, the testing the testing falls behind the usage it's just not it's just not comprehensive enough is it, it just, it's not powerful enough 
What are we at? Two hours? Come on, man. Yeah, got a train. Been. Yeah. All right. Are we? Uh... This is just descended into a chat, so. It was never meant to be a proper podcast. No, but let's be clear that this has been incredibly informative for guys. I, I hope you take that away because I think a lot of times we just follow the structure of what happened before and yeah, 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 but everyone does that. So we thought we'd just give you something different, man. There's some, <laughs> just some thoughts. This is what the live show is going to be, by the way. And that's oh, yeah. why you guys want to get your tickets for the live show. The live show is just three guys in some boxes cooling out, Not having a great boxes. time. Craig Richards is coming. Is he? I think Richie Reactpaul's going to come. We had a chat at the, oh, May the 19th. R- Richie's interested in the idea. I want Chris Congo to come. Look, I, I, I want people to come because I want them to understand. Like, let them listen to what the fans are saying and let the fans listen to what they have to say. And let's get that, that shared empathy. At the very least, if you come along, you'll get to meet a shitload of boxers. <laughs> so you're going to have Steve Goodwin's going to be there, Linus, you know, two of the people we mentioned frequently because they're good people. Um, Hannah Rankin is going to be there, Hannah female Rank. contender. Clinton McKenzie, former British champion, father to Leon McKenzie. Um, Dave Allen, Dave Allen fighting Tony Yoka. Um, is he going to, so yeah, he, well, he shouldn't be fighting after that, should he? Yeah, well, I'd imagine Knox is about a month before. Um, so fair play to Dave Allen because I've seen a lot of people give shit about Dave Allen, saying like, oh, what's he doing? His career's a mess. He's fighting Luis Ortiz, Dillian White, Tony Yoka. Dave Allen takes his fights because if Dave Allen doesn't take these fights, he gets drawn off by natural persuasion, by being a human being, and to also, the things that that aren't good for him. So and Dave gambling. Got, it's the, a very old school mindset. I like this of just, I'll take my L's. But if they make me stronger, I've still got four or five years where I can dominate. His view is, if I come back in five years' time and I'm a British champion and I've got six, seven L's on my record and they're against the likes of Tony Yoka, Dillian White, Luis um, Ortiz, Ortiz Lemroy Thomas, which, granted, that's a bit of a dubious one. But if I've got all those losses, but I'm a British champion, think of what I've learned and how yeah. I've achieved it. Fair fucking play. To yeah, them. so... To Dave. Um, so, no, no, Dave. Shouts out to Dave. You know. we got Ricky Wright coming down to him. See it. Ricky Just Wright. sprinkle a little bit of professionalism to an otherwise unprofessional. Well, at least at least us three. But well, no, I'm <laughs> with these guys to show up because I think it's a good concept and we should really embrace it. And look, if you're there, I'm ignoring about getting a ticket. Just fucking get a ticket. Yeah? Just get a ticket. Do it now. Go on to ticketweb.com co.uk I think get, maybe get, whatever. get the ticket know. but come well, along it's like, it's, we'll, wait. we'll wait here until you do it yeah whatever it's, it's, it's like it's £12 £12.50 Thursday night we're still here come we're still here come I'm sounding like your missus now yeah oh yeah things I need to touch on big shout out to to Super Shane flew back from from the stag do with Shane, Shane last our man, week. Our man, the podcast um, man. What I loved the most about that was we both had that look that said, we know each other, but right now I don't think we really know each other, but it's all love. You know, that plane was just a massive collection of guilt and regret. Every plane back from Marbella, Benidorm, etc., etc. because we've got a stag do coming up there, me and Andy in March next year. Every plane back from those places on the Sunday is just a fucking write-off. On the way out there, it's, it's infl- all manic. It's inflatable sharks getting batted about. Yeah. It's easy jet personnel ask you to pipe down. On the way back, you, you know what it is. They're like, oh, the plane out's going to be a nightmare. But the plane back is all right. It's, it's the only place where you'd want to work Sundays. 
<laughs> yeah, you're like, fuck yeah. me. We just get, we just know we're going to run out of ham and so cheese no, no, sandwiches. Good to catch up with Shane. I'll probably catch up with him in a couple of weeks. Good to see Carl on my way to quite possibly the dullest fucking conference ever. So he he was a useful Philip in that journey. Um, yeah, people know Carl Chapman. He was on the podcast before talking about white collar boxing. You know, he's just chilling, living life. Heard he's looking at turning pro. Um, we'll get him an undefeated <laughs> record. It'll be all good. Now, nah, look, I'm turning everyone pro this year. I'm like Chris Smedley. Ah, shouts out to Chris Smedley. If anyone hasn't listened to the interview with, with Big Russ, listen to it. I've never heard a boxing trainer talk so candidly about the sport and his life as well. There, there are points there where it's quite hard to listen to. But everyone thought I was joking when I said I love Chris Smedley. It wasn't a joke. Honestly, find it. Porky's Corner with Chris Smedley. It's an hour and a half. I think you can get an hour in and basically get the, the full flavor of it. And it's worth it, honestly. I'm actually done. Is everyone else done? I'm done. Mate, I'm done. Mate, there's a lot of carnage on this table. That's quite, quite a number of units of alcohol that you've consumed. Mate, I'm not driving, luckily. He's done well. He's yeah, done well. Uh, he's gone through... Three bottles of cider, three gin and tonics. And uh, yeah, that's not too bad, aye, actually. Hey, Craig, it's your turn, pal. That's the first time I've seen... I mean, I, don't, I think it's more because of the quantity you had access to, but it's the first time I've seen Martin out drunk in such a short space of time. He's never going to bother like with a that. fish normally. No. What's Mickey Hilliard doing? What is Mickey Hilliard doing? I can't wait to hear this, actually, because he uh, apparently really, really, really cunted off Umar at IFL. Uh, well, he did. I think they just shut it down. Ah, are we going to touch on Uma and Daryl? Quick, before we go. Yes. So, Uma, who we ho- Uma Sadiq, who we're hoping to get up here next week. Friend of the podcast well. and a friend in real life. This can be, this can be a, 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 uh, like an, an annex to the end you of the thing. I'm going to start clearing away. Okay, so Andy's going to start just shutting, not, not the, mic, shutting the beat down. The yeah, he's, he's, he's getting rid of like, like the evidence. Yeah. Well, mate, does that go on your recycling? But no, no. So to summarise, right? Blue bin, Andy. U- Umar Sadiq, 2-0. He's obviously caught up in the in the Frank Warren fucking train wreck. And I can't describe it as anything else. Because the young guy... Look, Umar's a young man who just wants to fight. Probably wants to get six or seven fights in a year. But he's like, if I can't get those fights, let me make a big step up. Well, as Daryl put it, he's not such a young man. He's 30 years old. Yeah. Which is fine. I get that. So, so he calls out... He calls out Daryl Williams. There's a video there. Um, I've heard things like ferocious chihuahua and stuff. And I, and I, I'll probably need to just claim out my bias here. Umar's a good friend. Daryl's a good friend. Um, it's one of those scenarios I can't necessarily get too deep into. Um, if they fight, may the best man win, um, and so forth. But one of the things I found really interesting was it's a massive departure from the momentum Umar had built up. Almost like the the gentleman boxer, the the sophisticate, which I thought was a great image. And now we're into the trash talking. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't imagine Frank will make that fight for the English title. The board wouldn't allow that. To yeah. be fair, like a two and oh, the board wouldn't let you fight for Southern area, let alone English. Yeah. So so then I'm I'm beginning to wonder why would you make that fight happen? I genuinely think Danny Dignam's a far more viable target. And, you know, there, there are enough mutual connections between the two that it would be rational. Can I say, I actually think it's a very wise thing by Uma for the reason I've just stated. The board would never allow a 2-0 and o lad to fight for the English title. 
I think the big risk is you've got to see Daryl in the flesh. Which are meant to be fighting on the same card, in theory. The uh, Billy Joe Saunders might And they're both, both probably in the home dressing room. I'd get extra security, is what I'd say. I'd get extra security because I know Daryl as a boxer, I know Daryl as a man. My one of them. This is how. I, this, here's a memory that defines Daryl for me. I can't remember which fight it was he won, and Leon McKenzie taps him on the shoulder and goes, "Good fight, son." And Daryl, it was like a pit bull snapping, and he's like, "Who the fuck are you calling son? Who are you to call me son?" And Daryl literally went from there and then and went, "Why won't you fight me?" And I was just like, "Woo!" And Daryl's got that bit of Nigel Ben in him where you're like, "But those two are mates as well." Like who? who? Uh, Daryl and Leon. They sparred many, many, many that's, rounds. You see, <laughs> but don't. That's what I mean. Daryl's a guy. Don't cross that line with him, because once he tells you this is personal, you're gonna have to see him. And Andy's just farted, right? That wasn't like it's the end of the pod. I've been holding it in, and it wasn't even a great fight. It wasn't like a full-on detonation either. I was holding it in. But but it, it, would Daryl do something? Would he risk his board license for a changing room no. scrap? I, I don't know. Nor, the, the worrying thing is, nor do I. What I. But what I can't say on this podcast is he'd do nothing. It's very short-sighted if he does. Uh, it is and it also isn't because, remember, these these guys are men first and boxers uh, second. It's boxing. They all fucking say stuff they, they should or shouldn't say or mean. Look, I, I get that you, somebody is saying that to you as a man. But come on, man! Like it's boxing. We see it well, all you know, well, the well, time. No, no, no. But and I guess I speak about as a guy who, as everyone knows me, I push a fucking hell, Andy. I'm a guy who's pushed the envelope a lot of times. I and thought I, I wasn't and, a good fan, Terry. <laughs> dick. And and I, I've been called to account for the stuff I've said before, and sometimes it gets quite hairy. And the, the, it was just one of those where I look and I go, if you look at the landscape of guys Umo could have called out, it doesn't make a lot of sense. There are other guys he could have gone for. But I think it does make sense as well because the board won't sanction it. Therefore, he can say everything he wants about Daryl because by the time he gets to the stage where he could fight for the English title, Daryl's moved on, presumably. Yeah. And therefore, yeah, it doesn't really, it's taking a free hit almost. Until you got Aside from the personal yeah. element of it. And that, that's, but, that's the bit where you could have just said, listen, Daryl Williams has an English title. I want that English title. Then let Daryl respond, and if he's disrespectful, you throw the bombs at yeah, him. Do you okay. see what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, Chisora White, I've heard uh, stories about how that kind of got out of hand on a personal level. I hope it doesn't happen too often. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Because remember, some of these guys... A lot of these guys aren't fundamentally, like, nice people. And when yeah. I say nice, I don't mean, like, they're horrible. I just mean they're not, like... They're, they're people that come from the streets, people that don't mind a scrap. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, general day Andy's now got a mic in hand like Freddie Mercury. Have to, have to. You, He's you, bent over like most, Freddie. <laughs> I think most people, and I would actually, I'd go as far as to say probably you two, on a daily basis, are more likely to tolerate certain people than you are to get along with everyone. And when you talk about certain boxers, that they're unlikely to tolerate. If you if you took out that tolerance, if you took out that that desire to have a life where it was more smooth running, then then you'd be just like. Well, Mate, I just don't want to go to jail. 
Just the, do, you know, do you know the number of times I sit there and I read tweets from boxers and other boxers and they talk so much shit and I'm like, I just want to ring, I just want to hit my red button, go over to the city they live in and just go and fucking kidnap him. That's my instinct. <laughs> kidnap? But then I sit there and I, no, no, and, and, and this is a lesson from having had to deal with court cases before. You feel so stupid explaining it to your mum. Your mum's like, well, why are you in court? I'm like, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what happened, mum. And your mum's just looking at you like, all of this just for that. And you feel like a prick. So the mature head in you goes, I don't need that again. Whereas the other half of you is like, I could just go home, get a bread knife, just put it in him and fuck off. And I don't advocate that. I do not advocate that Good. at all. <laughs> but they're the instincts. Like when, was... co when conflict riles up in me, they're my first two instincts. <laughs> Take someone out, kill him. more about just having, have, going like, I know there's times when I speak to Martin, he's like, but this bloke today and oh my fucking God. And then he tells me a story where he probably wanted to just dress the bloke down and make him feel about one inch tall, but he doesn't for the sake of his life. He was talking about sticking a bread knife in people. Oh, oh, no, no. <laughs> but regardless, no, the point is There's certainly that can't confess on a, on a fucking podcast, but <laughs> it's, not, it's not new to me. So anyway, when you talk about the court yeah. cases... Yeah. We might have some of those this week anyway. Yeah. So, 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 so they, they might remember me. I might be like Tommy Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> You're here for the same shit again. Oh, I need to go because I've still right. got taxi duties. So. Yeah, and Andy's going to put this out tonight. So yeah, whenever right, you hear so, it, yeah. this is when we recorded it, tonight. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, uh, what a mess this has been. Yeah, but, yeah, really no, it hasn't been a mess. Tell us, tell us if, if this is what you guys needed. We'll do it more often. We'll just scrap agendas and chat. Yeah fight talk for that thank you very much for listening bye <laughs>